Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. And the 1-1 to JBJ. Swing it a high drive to right field. Reddick going back. Back to the warning track. This ball is going, and it is gone. A grand slam for Jackie Bradley Jr. And the Red Sox have broken it open. They lead it 8-2. to two. Can you believe it? Guerra on 3-2 and two to Bellinger. Here's the pitch. Ground ball. Base hit into right field. Machado's on his way home. Throw to the plate, and the Dodgers will win it. They win it 2-1, to one, and the series is all even at two games apiece. Bellinger with the walk-off, smash to right. Machado scores, hit first slide. The Dodgers win in 13. And now the NLCS is the best two out of three. Dodgers tie it up last night. Well, they tied it up this morning. You probably missed it. Honestly, unless you were on the West Coast because of when that game ended. Welcome in. That's where we begin. 2-2 in one series, 2-1 with the Red Sox leading the Astros in the other. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're also brought to you today by Granger, America's trusted source for industrial and safety supplies. Visit Granger.com. Clay Travis is out in London. Of course, we've got the crew out in Los Angeles. We've got Dub Yarbrough, our production assistant and call screener here in Nashville with me. I'm Jason Martin. Jeff Schwartz will join the program in the second hour. So there are all sorts of spinning plates going on right now. But let's go overseas 
and let's talk to Clay. Clay, I don't know how much of the baseball you were able to see live, but there was drama in both games. Jackie Bradley Jr., for the second time in this series, broke something wide open for the Boston Red Sox. He's played a pivotal role in both of their wins, and then Cody Bellinger just had a heck of a night, uh, both in the field and with that walk-off single in the 13th inning as the Dodgers were able to knot it up last night. Yeah, I watched uh, some of the Red Sox and the Astros game. I was able to see that over here in London. I did not see any of the Dodger game because I don't even know. I'm all crossed over in time zones. I do know when I woke up uh, early this morning here in London at like uh, 7.30 a.m. London time, that game had just ended. So uh, I probably could have found that somewhere on television, I would imagine, uh, here in uh, in my hotel room and uh, and been able to, uh, to to touch base on it, but it was interesting as I scrolled through my Twitter feed. Uh, there were relatively few people who were still awake. The West Coast crew uh, was strong in staying up for the Dodgers, and they turn around and have an early game. I know now, relatively speaking, uh, at Dodger Stadium to try to go up three uh, two, and I know it's an early game because I know my television show Lock It In, which I'm not on this week. Uh, Jason Whitlock is is sitting in for me on FS1. We're bumped, so uh, so that is uh, for the uh, for Game Five of the NLCS. And uh, I think you know certainly baseball will be rooting for the Astros to come back and tie it up at two games apiece. This is an ideal situation with the Brewers. Yesterday, I know we talked about this a little bit off air, and I know you talked about it some on the show. One of the best days, if you're a state of Wisconsin pro sports fan, that you would have ever had. Brett Favre leading uh, the uh, the Packers back on the final drive, and Aaron then Rodgers. the uh, the Brewers taking a two one. Yeah, the Brett Favre. God, I get to be. I, every, everybody runs in together uh, when you get uh, when you get crossed over in all your time zones. Aaron Rodgers leading the Packers. Brett Favre also pretty good quarterback for the Packers back in the day. And, he was. Uh, it, yeah, and then uh, and then to have the Brewers win as well. Um, probably about as good of a day as you could possibly have there. And, uh, and now for the Dodgers and the, uh, the Brewers, Game 5, I mean a massive Game 5 to see who's going to take control of the series. I tend to think that whoever wins Game 5 is going to win the series. I know it's not quite the NBA, where in a seven-game series in the NBA, and I think certainly in hockey too, there's a massive favorite that kind of rolls forward based on who wins Game 5. It's kind of the pivot point in the series for uh, in many respects because then you have a two-game series and you only have to win one of them. Uh, but uh, but I feel like that. Do you feel like whoever wins game five probably is going to win the Dodgers-Brewers series? Yeah, I think those two teams are pretty evenly matched. I find it hard to believe somebody's going to win back-to-back in six and seven, so I'm kind of with you there. One thing I was thinking about, and you just kind of clued me into it, is you guys and your television show being bumped for game five. I don't. I know you have to do this because you're trying to get out of the season, but I don't think it makes baseball look great to have games starting at five o'clock on the East Coast. Like it does not. It seems like it should be prime time by this point, right? I mean, this is a championship series. We had divisional series games played at like two in the afternoon. It just it feels weird to me. It doesn't feel championship when it's that early. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, it's obviously a real challenge on the West Coast for everybody to be able to get into Dodger Stadium, and uh, and if you're, you basically don't have the opportunity to work uh, if you're doing that based on how char- tar- difficult the traffic is in and out of Chavez Ravine and everything else. I will say this, I think it's predicated on the idea that you want both of the games not to go head-to-head, right? And so uh, for, for people out there who are on the uh, on the East Coast, and there's probably a lot of people who said, man, 
I would have really liked to watch the, uh, the you know, game four of that series. But I got to get up so early in the morning. A lot of them starting off their day with us. They don't have that opportunity because that game ended so late. And certainly if you got kids and you happen to be a Dodgers or a, uh, a Brewers fan, um, I mean, that's really a pretty tough turnaround. And there are a lot of people listening to us in Wisconsin right now who are incredibly bleary-eyed trying to start off their day after what happened with the Brewers. So the positive here is if you got kids, and I always think about it now from the kids' perspective because my kids are up and running around here in, uh, in London with me, I hate on Monday night football or uh, Thursday night football. A lot of times one of them's in the bed with me uh, watching the game late. They'll fall asleep. They don't get to stay up and watch all of it. So I think it's a little bit of a balancing act. I mean, I think in the old days of baseball, like you talk to your dad's generation, they would be listening to World Series games while they were in school, you know, because it was so common to have True. Uh, games, you know, that were, uh, that were going on while it was the middle of the day. And then with all the time zones, this is why my time zone idea I think would make perfect sense, which is we only have two time zones, right? I mean, if you had an East Coast time zone and a West Coast time zone and you divided it, let's say, at the Mississippi River, then everybody's only an hour different in the United States and we wouldn't have to worry so much about all these different start times uh, and how, uh, how you get screwed if you're on the East Coast and you're trying to keep up with West Coast sports. And that certainly is something I think a lot of people are going to be thinking about who have grown up LeBron James fans. Right? I mean, if you've gotten used, if you're a big NBA fan with the NBA tipping off, if you've gotten used to having the ability to watch LeBron with either the, uh, the Cavs or the uh, Heat on a regular basis on the East Coast, these late tips, I mean, I, I, I think it sucks for what we do because a lot of times you don't get to see the Warriors play. The Warriors obviously played last night and got their rings and won and kind of put in a pedestrian effort to start the NBA season. But I think there's a lot of people on the East Coast who say, you know what, I'd love to, uh, to, to stay up and watch West Coast sports. And that's why I've always said, people say, oh, there's an East Coast bias. And I always say, yeah, the East Coast bias is the East Coast people have to get up in the morning. <laughs> you know, it's not that yeah. we don't like West Coast sports. It's that it's awfully hard to stay up until the wee hours of the morning and then turn around and have a productive day if you're trying to keep up with West Coast sports. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that the one, the one advantage that you have with college football is we are watching those late games because it's the weekend but during the week that changes a lot I, I don't you, like I said you didn't get to see much of that game were you able to see any footage of the Machado play where the benches cleared because he clipped the foot of Aguilar at first base and they called him a dirty yeah. player and it was that was what was your take on that it looks like you did see it yeah I saw all the highlights I mean first of all I love that Machado has to score to win that to score that winning run after saying he's not Johnny Hustle, so he didn't even get the cliche right uh, I love the idea of Johnny Hustle as opposed to Charlie Hustle like he doesn't want to run out the uh, he doesn't want to run out the, the the ground balls and everything else at aggressive levels uh, to first base, but then he has to, it was a great slide uh, to get in and, and advance of that uh, of that tag. Uh, I, I did not think it was that bad. I mean, I, I tend to think that in baseball, it's hard for me to even keep up with the written and the unwritten rules, and it seems like baseball players are always getting worked up. And usually it tends to happen in the regular season, uh, more so than the postseason. Um, so I didn't think it was like an egregious behavior by Machado. What did you think? I mean, I guess I could see why Aguilar got upset about it. When I looked at it, it seemed like maybe there was a little bit of baseballing going on there from Machado. Like I don't know that his foot needed to be where it was in that moment. I don't think it was necessarily malicious, but I don't think that he made much of an effort. 
at the same time. I guess I could, like I said, I could see the argument on both sides, but I tend to think that it was not. It, I don't think that that's a dirty play. They were, you know, Yelich came out and said he's a dirty player after the game. I disagree there completely watching it. Maybe he's a dirty player for other things that he's done, but that just seemed rather innocuous to me compared to some of the things that I've seen that have clearly been dirty plays, like sliding into people's shins and things like that. It just is always interesting to me with baseball how so much of baseball is about like playing the game the right way. We don't hear this very much in basketball. We don't hear it very much in, in, uh, in football at all. Um, and uh, it, like these controversies, a lot of times I think they're just born out of there's 162 games that you play in the regular season, and guys are just trying to get themselves psyched up to care about another baseball game. So if you can find some form of perceived slight or you can get some form of a little bit of extra motivation in game 122 uh, that helps you get through the season, that makes a little bit more sense to me. In the postseason, this doesn't seem like that big of a uh, of a story to me, um, and uh, and to me, the Machado slide and uh, and the fact that he actually had to hustle uh, to win that game after he didn't call himself Johnny Hustle was uh, was a pretty uh, pretty entertaining and ironic end, uh, given that he seems to be the center of, uh, of of the baseball storm on a regular basis right now. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. We will uh, we'll bring in the L.A. crew a little bit later on, and we'll talk more about these games and talk about the games that are still to come. On the other side of this break, though, there are football stories both in the professional ranks as well as the college ranks, and I want to get Clay's opinion on those, so we'll be back after the break. But first, Clay, with a word about ZipRecruiter. We try to be smart here, and we try to be smart especially when the unemployment rate is at nearly an all-time low in this country's history, when finding the right person for your job has never been more challenging. Let my guys at ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay help you hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Uh, This uh, rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-L-A-Y. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You teased it, Jason. I'll give another tease since I'm the expert in tease, as the guys well know. We've got three different football stories I want to hit. Nick Bosa sitting out for the rest of the year at Ohio State. What do we think about uh, Tyreek Hill, we haven't really talked about this uh, fan throwing a beer on him. He's wanting the fan to be prosecuted. Why I think that is insanely dumb in the larger context. And we'll talk about Odell Beckham Jr. basically being told by the owner of the team, shut up and play. What do we think about all that next on OutKick? 
Discover Card believes anniversaries should be a time of celebration, not obligation. That's why they think annual fees are ridiculous. And now, just for giving them a try, Discover will give new card members a one-year anniversary gift they'll never forget. At the end of your first year, they'll match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar. That's right, dollar for dollar, no caps and no catches. Try it and believe it at discover.com slash match. That's discover.com slash match. Only for new card members. Limitations apply. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I'm here in London bringing us back here. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want. So you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience and... We are loaded up here. If you've ever driven past the snowy vineyards by I-90, you probably wondered whose idea it was to grow grapes there. That man was Ephraim Wales Bull, and it took him more than 22,000 seedlings of grapes to invent the Concord grape, a tough fruit that could thrive in cold winters. It was either that or moved to Florida, and you can infer by the 22,000 attempts, that wasn't really an option for a man whose last name was Bull. Uh, the world's toughest antioxidants, Welch's, tough as grapes. And I'm in London this week in advance of Sunday's Titans-Chargers game, the fall football tour brought to you by Granger. Huddle up with Granger, America's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products. Visit Granger.com for whatever you need, whenever you need it. Granger for the ones who get it done. I've got three different football stories. Jason Martin is sitting in. He's going to have hours two and three. Uh, in the catbird seat, I'm here in hour one. But I've got three different football stories that, to me, need to be examined and uh, and, and kind of broken down. And I want to get J-Mart's thoughts on these as well as I run through them. First of all, uh, we have got uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, his owner is now weighing in. I believe the owner's name is Wellington Mayor, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he had this to say about Odell Beckham Jr.'s comments and his behavior, this were the quotes. I wish he would create the headlines by his play on the field as opposed to what he says and does off the field. I think he needs to do a little more playing, a little less talking. Last year you called the season an embarrassment. At one in five, what's the feeling here today? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still embarrassed being one in five. I mean, I can't stand up here and make any excuses about that. Uh, you are what your record says you are, as a wise man once said, and um, nothing I can say to make people feel better about that. Uh, I'm suffering just as much as, as our fans are, probably more. But, uh, again, I have confidence that we have the right guys in the building to get it turned around. That's John Mara, Wellington Mara, I think was his dad. Uh, but John Mara now weighing in on Odell Beckham Jr. And i got to tell you this. This is not a 2020. This is not hindsight being perfect. Uh, Jason Martin, you may remember this. I said at the time, when they signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a $20 million deal a year, this was a bad move. I said, money makes you more of what you already are. We already knew that Odell Beckham Jr. was a malcontent. And so if I were running the Giants right now, I would be trying to trade him before the trade deadline this year for this reason. I think Eli is done. I don't think you're ever going to win a championship again with Eli. He's 37. He's on the back end of his career. I'd be interested in trying to trade Eli, too. I want to build around Saquon Barkley, and I believe that Saquon Barkley could be for the Giants what Todd Gurley has been for the Rams, 
if you get the right young quarterback to pair with him, I think Saquon is already the best offensive player now that the Giants have. I think he's more valuable than, uh, than Odell Beckham Jr. is, and certainly more valuable with a young quarterback, which is what I think the Giants are going to have to do probably in the draft this year, than, uh, than I want uh, Odell Beckham Jr. dealing with that young quarterback being that distraction everything else associated with that. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is on his way to being Terrell Owens. I think what Terrell Owens showed us was he was great, but he was also a quarterback killer, whether it was Jeff Garcia, whether it was Donovan McNabb. When he finally got with Tony Romo, I think he was later in his career. He had matured. He was not as much of a distraction as he was early in his career. I think Odell Beckham Jr. right now is in the Jeff Garcia-Donovan McNabb phase of his development I think that's a bad phase for a young quarterback or an old quarterback. What do you think? Would you be inclined to try to trade Odell Beckham Jr., get out of that $20 million a year contract? It's guaranteed for three years. This year's already written off. Next year and the year after, basically guaranteed as well. To me, you can't win a Super Bowl over the next three years. In fact, there's never been a wide receiver who was the best player on any Super Bowl winning team, and I don't think we're going to start with Odell Beckham Jr., I would try to get value with him. I think that's the next step after uh, these comments from the owner of the Giants. What say you, Jason Martin? We disagree. We've disagreed on Odell from the beginning. I thought he was worth the money personally, but with the Giants, you have a couple of problems. The Giants have played this as if they have luxuries that they don't have. The Giants did not have the luxury of taking Saquon Barkley in a quarterback-heavy draft. And the Giants may not have had the luxury of what they're trying to do now with Odell Beckham Jr. because they don't have a quarterback, because Eli Manning is done, because it's Alex Tanney and guys you've never heard of behind him, which means there's nothing that they can do in the short term. The problem is you can build around Saquon Barkley or you can say that you want to build around Saquon Barkley, but the truth of the matter is as soon as you get you, – you even said it. You said especially with a young, good quarterback – that's the whole point. As soon as you get the young, good quarterback, you're building around him. You're still not building around a running back in 2018 because it's just not the same level. It's not the same NFL. You have to have if you if you have a great running back. If you've got Todd Gurley, that's great. But Jared Goff's playing out of his mind, and that's helping the situation. I don't think that there are teams right now. You look at Alvin Kamara and his success in New Orleans. He's got Drew Brees as his quarterback. Dak Prescott playing better. Ezekiel Elliott is all of a sudden finding a little bit of room to run. I think that Saquon Barkley is spectacular. I think that he probably was the best player in the draft when it comes to pure talent. But the Giants didn't have the luxury to take that because until you have a quarterback in the NFL, and you've said this forever about an MVP can't be anybody but a quarterback, Heisman Trophy can't be uh, anybody but a quarterback, and you make a very compelling argument there. If you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you got nothing. You've got absolutely nothing. So I look at the Odell situation and say, I can't put any real blame on Odell because I kind of understand why he's frustrated in this situation. I don't think he's handled himself particularly professionally, but wide receiver is a traditionally diva position in the NFL anyway. You mentioned Dez. You mentioned Terrell Owens. The list goes on and on. Chad Ochocinco. There have been a number of guys that all of a sudden get real joy. It's cornerbacks and it's wide receivers that tend to run their mouths because they are trapped in one-on-one situations down the field jawing each other 
all the time. And it's those are the two pride positions, I would say, in the NFL. So that's where I am. I don't think that you want to get rid of Odell because I think he's that special of a talent. But I do agree that you've got big problems there. And the fact that John Mara is coming out and saying what he is is not necessarily a vote of confidence for Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, it's certainly not a vote of confidence. And the other thing I would say is those guys you mentioned, none of them have Super Bowls. And so my concern is if you bring in a young quarterback and Odell Beckham Jr. is an antagonist in either the media or the locker room, we don't know what he's like in the actual locker room, young quarterbacks typically take a while to develop. Look at what happened with Jared Goff, by and large, in year one. He looked awful. Everybody thought he was a bust. Year two, he gets paired with Sean McVay. Everything changes for him. But imagine how ugly that first year with Jared Goff could have been if he had been playing with Odell Beckham Jr. and Odell Beckham Jr. had been teeing off on the lack of success that they were having. I just don't think he's a guy you grow with. I think there are a lot of teams right now that believe they have Super Bowl aspirations or at least advance in the playoff aspirations. I would put Odell Beckham Jr. right now in the same place that I would put Amari Cooper, which is if you, don't, if you know, if you're the Raiders and the Giants, that you don't have the ability to advance in the playoffs or even contend for the playoffs, why not go and see whether you can get somebody to give you a high price for them? You get a first round, maybe you get a first round and a second round for Odell. Um, if a team's got some salary cap room, I think that could make an awful lot of sense. We are coming to you live, by the way, from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We're brought to you by Granger, America's trusted source for industrial and safety supplies. Visit Granger.com. Let me bring in, uh, I believe it's Ralph Irvin, get us the update, and then I want to talk about Tyreek Hill, and I want to talk about this decision by uh, Nick Bosa to not go back to Ohio State and rehab his injury. I think both are intriguing stories that are out there. I'll also be talking about them with Jason Martin, who's got you for Hour 2 and Hour 3. What's up, Ralph? Well, Clay, it was quite a night for the Boston Red Sox in Houston. Two-ball, two-strike pitch once again to George Springer from Eddie Rodriguez. Swung on a miss, strike three, and the Red Sox take a two-games-to-one lead in the American League Championship Series. Red Sox radio with the call is Boston. Now moves on to Game 4 with that two-games-to-one lead. Meanwhile, it was Game 4 Tuesday night in Los Angeles, and it went late into the night before Cody Bellinger's RBI single in the 13th gave the Dodgers a 2-1 win and tied that series at two games apiece. Game number five is going to get started in 11 and a half hours from right now. Make that 10 and a half hours from right now at Dodger Stadium. So not a much time for any of these players to rest before that one gets started. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. It was also opening night Tuesday in the NBA. Golden State was a 108-100 winner over Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook did not suit up for the Thunder in that game. And Boston beat Philadelphia 105-87. Jason Tatum with 23 points, 9 rebounds for the Celtics. And as you were hinting at, Nick Bosa says that, well, he's not coming back to Ohio State. He's rehabbing, prepping for the NFL draft. I know you've got more of it coming up.
Yeah, look, I appreciate that, Ralph. Um, I think Nick Bosa is making the right decision, and I think it's one we're seeing more and more of in college football in general, whether it's guys deciding not to play in a bowl game that doesn't really matter. I think that's going to become the trend, right? I mean, I understand if you're playing to win a championship, you're playing in the playoff games, but if you know you're going pro, I don't know why you would play in what is effectively a glorified exhibition. I've been arguing for a while that you should let everybody who's redshirting, all the freshmen that are redshirting, let them come out and play and almost don't even play your average senior in a bowl game uh, because let those guys start to get ready. I think Nick Bosa, he's going to get a lot of criticism. I'm sure there are a lot of Ohio State fans who were upset with him. But I don't know why you would try to come back at this point and get yourself back into playing shape for Ohio State when you may be the overall number one draft pick, depending on who is drafting out there. And it's really about making sure that you're in perfect shape in, November, in, in February when you go to the combine to kind of put up the numbers that you need to put up and to be fully healthy. Any doubt from you, uh, J-Mart, that Nick Bosa is just following in this latest trend of guys who are going to be drafted deciding, you know what, I'm not going to finish out my college career. I need to get healthy. I need to get well. And uh, I appreciate everything that people have done for me at Ohio State. He and his brother both had tremendous careers there. It certainly would be better for Ohio State if he were going to play. But if he's got a serious injury that's going to keep him out for multiple weeks, I don't know why he would rush to come back and try to play the final couple of games of the season if he's not going to be 100%. Yeah, here we completely agree. I think that Nick Bosa is making the right decision. I think that your point, and, and I thought the same thing, it is very similar to Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette or any number of these guys who have decided, look, the NFL draft is is coming up. I'm going to be a high draft pick. I can't risk injury in this situation. And when you're Nick Bosa, he's number one on most experts' boards. He may not go overall number one just because of some value position or a need position for some team, but he might be the most talented player in the draft. It is a use-use situation here. Ohio State is going to use Nick Bosa as long as they can to try and win a championship. And Nick Bosa is on the Ohio State football team in order to get to the NFL, just like his father, just like his brother for the Los Angeles Chargers. So you look at it and you say, okay, well, these two guys or these two entities have used each other pretty effectively. Unfortunately for Ohio State, Nick Bosa doesn't really need this anymore. So Nick Bosa is preparing for his future. If you're going to be the number one draft pick, you get yourself rehabbed, you get yourself right. You can't worry about the Buckeyes. I know that college football fans live and die by week-to-week results and everything that's happening within the program, but from a logic standpoint, from what-would-you-do standpoint, you would do what Nick Bosa is doing in his situation. I, I think he's making the perfect move. What is going to be the next step, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I bet it's going to happen, is, is going to be when a guy is on a team that makes the college football playoff and he decides to sit out. I don't know who's going to do it, but I feel like at some point it's going to happen where the logic is going to be, wait a minute, you know, the regular season is over, why would I go play? Now, I don't know who's going to do it, and maybe it's going to be, uh, maybe it's going to be something that, uh, that is held against him in the draft, and maybe it's not going to be that common. But that's what you're going to see. Like It's going to be a slow creep towards this idea of, look, why would I play longer than the regular season? And, uh, and, and look, I, I think in general, 
this goes to my point on the age restrictions being, to me, a moral issue in the NFL. If you are 18 or 19 years old and you're ready to go pro, I think you should be able to go pro making a guy wait around. I don't know where Nick Bosa would have gone if he had been able to come out after last season, but I think he would have gone pretty high. And I think there have been a lot of those guys in past years who have played even though they were already first-round talent. And, and you know, I don't know if we're ever going to have a guy sit out a full season. Certainly that discussion came up with Jadavion Clowney. Uh, but this is a little bit of a creep towards that direction. All right, here is uh, another big uh, idea I've got in the NFL. I think that Tyreek Hill is absolutely insane for deciding that he wants the guy who threw a beer on him to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And I think it's insane for this reason, because Tyreek Hill is not without sin himself. This is crazy to me. I don't know who's advising him, but here's what happened to Tyreek Hill. In uh, the end of 2014, Tyreek Hill was arrested for assaulting his pregnant girlfriend. The police report states that his girlfriend said that the two got into an argument. He threw her around like a rag doll punched her in the face, set on her, repeatedly punched her in the stomach where she was pregnant, and choked her. Oklahoma State dismissed him from the football team. He eventually pled guilty to domestic assault and battery by strangulation and was sentenced to three years of probation, an anger management course, a year-long batterers program, and was required to undergo a domestic abuse evaluation. Uh, His girlfriend eventually gave birth to a boy, uh, and in September, they got engaged. All right, so I don't know what's going on in his personal life now. But if you got off with probation for beating and strangling your girlfriend, would you really want to argue that the guy who threw a beer on you deserves the punishment to the full extent of the law? I mean, this to me is just like, major flashing light of hypocrisy and absurdity that nobody in your advisement camp would say, Tyreek Hill, you choked your girlfriend and you beat her while she was pregnant. Maybe you don't argue that the guy who threw a beer on you deserves punishment to the fullest extent of the law. Now, I'm not saying the guy who threw the beer doesn't deserve some form of punishment or that we shouldn't have guys like that who have consequences for their actions, too. I am saying if you got three years of probation for beating and strangling your pregnant girlfriend, maybe saying that you want the guy who threw a beer on you to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law is not the best move you could make if you're Tyreek Hill. We need to break down this discussion. We'll talk about it a little bit more. I want to get Jay Mart's opinion on that. Also, we have a new record for the biggest sports contract that has ever been signed in world history. Who got it? Answer may surprise you. That's what we call a tease in the business, boys. That's next on Outkick, the coverage. I'm live from London. Jay Mart's in Nashville. Danny G and the crew are in L.A. We're all over the place. We'll finish off the hour next on Outkick, the coverage. 
Sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick? off don't sweat it mybookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event even esports there's no better time to join mybookie.net go to mybookie.net to open an account and start winning use promo code clay when you register for your account and get a hundred percent sign up bonus visit mybookie.net's website today and use promo code clay to get a hundred percent sign up bonus mybookie.net promo code clay for a hundred percent bonus no deposit necessary terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only void were prohibited. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I'm in London this week in advance of the Sunday Titans Chargers game. The fall football tour brought to you by Granger. Huddle up with Granger, America's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products. Visit Granger.com for whatever you need, whenever you need it, Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, we are talking about right now. The situation with Tyreek Hill insisting that the person who threw a beer on him be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. This happened on Monday, uh, Sunday night football when there was a uh, altercation, I guess, right after a touchdown, I believe it was. Tyreek Hill got a beer kind of poured on him, and he is now insisting that the fan be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, even though he himself got probation for beating and choking his pregnant girlfriend. If there had been a video of this, I doubt that Tyreek Hill would have ever been able to play in the NFL. I'm not sure that anybody would have ever allowed him to play in the NFL if, like Ray Rice, there was a video of his domestic violence act. He got probation for beating and uh, beating up his pregnant girlfriend, beating and strangling his pregnant girlfriend. If you were advising Tyreek Hill, do you find this to be as insane as I do, Jason Martin, that he would now be insisting that a guy who threw beer on him should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law? All right, let me back up for one one second, because when I was looking into this story, I saw something very odd about it, and that was that after the game, Tyreek Hill was asked about it, and he said, hey, I talked to Andy Reid after the play. Here's the quote, according to Boston.com. My coach told me, don't get emotional, don't get mad about it because it comes with the territory. And then he said, I'm not mad at all. And then the (laughs) next day on ESPN, Drew Rosenhaus tells Adam Schefter, that type of behavior is unacceptable, players have to be protected, this is a safety issue, quote, we want that fan to be prosecuted, unquote. So, something, there's a disconnect here. Something happened between Sunday and Monday to where Drew Rosenhaus came out and said basically the opposite because Tyreek Hill said kind of what I would have said if I were Tyreek Hill, which is, yeah, I'm not really mad. Like, okay, it comes with the territory. We're in a hostile environment. This was Tyreek Hill catching a pass, getting to the end zone, getting within an extra point of a tie score with three minutes left in the fourth quarter in a gigantic football game in front of a national audience. And he took some middle fingers, he took the double birds, and he takes a flying beverage to the face as he goes out of the back of the end zone. He says, I'm not mad at all Sunday night, 
And then on Monday, Drew Rosenhaus tells ESPN, we want that fan to be prosecuted. And if you read into the story, he's pursuing legal options with the union and all of these things. Now, ultimately, Tyreek Hill can tell his agent to shut up. So he may still be talking on Tyreek Hill's behalf. But I'm trying to figure out, and maybe maybe I'm overreacting here, but I'm trying to figure out what happened between Sunday and Monday that changed Tyreek Hill's mood and attitude about this. Usually your agent says things that you can't say yourself. So it could be that Tyreek Hill is trying to avoid provoking Andy Reid's ire. But to me, this is where the agent has to tell the player look, dude, this is a bad look for you. And look, I'm not saying that there's anything that the guy who threw the beer did not behave in, a, uh, in, in an inappropriate fashion. And I am fine with, I think the, the Patriots sent a letter saying that his behavior was inappropriate and they were looking into it and that he was disinvited from future games or something like that. It's All of that is fine. Yeah, I think they said disinvited, which is which is even funnier. Like, if, if I'm not mistaken, somebody can pull up that letter and you guys can talk I about got it in an hour yeah, I've two. got it, yeah. Letter of disinvite to all future events <laughs> at Gillette Stadium. A letter of disinvite. I love that concept. Like, you can just tell somebody, hey, you know what? We disinvite you from everything for the future. Um, so uh, I, it's the exact opposite of, like, an invitation. I, I, I don't know, a disinvitation. Uh, but I, I love it. sounds very British. Since I'm in London, that sounds like something they would do uh, in Britain is disinvite you from things. Um, but to me, if you are Tyreek Hill and you have a scintilla of self-awareness, or even better, if you have anybody that surrounds you that has a scintilla of self-awareness, you cannot insist that the guy who threw a beer at you be punished to the fullest extent of the law while you got three years of probation for beating and strangling your pregnant girlfriend. Like, I'm not saying the guy who threw the beer is in the right. I'm not saying that he didn't do anything wrong. I'm saying that maybe if you're Tyree Kill, you don't want to be the guy who's saying, you know what, if somebody misbehaves, they need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law, when if what you did was on video, you would never have been allowed to play in the NFL. You, there's a 0% chance that Tyreek Hill, as enjoyable and fun as he is to watch on the football field, would have ever been allowed to play in the NFL if he were on video doing to his pregnant, uh, pregnant girlfriend what, uh, what Ray Rice did to his fiancée. 0% chance. Now, we can even agree or disagree about whether that's appropriate. I actually think, and I've said this for a long time, that Ray Rice deserved to be able to come back into the NFL. Not because I think he's a saint, but just because my standard for whether or not you should be able to play in the NFL is do your, prob- do your talents exceed your problems? And I guess the answer is for Ray Rice, they did not. But I tend to think that if Ray Rice's video never goes public, if TMZ never gets it, he plays another couple of years in the NFL. I don't think he would have had a Pro Bowl season. I don't think he would have been the difference between the Baltimore Ravens being, uh, being a, a Super Bowl caliber team or not. But I do think he would have been able to play for another couple of years. Is there any doubt to you, J. Mark, that if what Tyreek Hill pled guilty to and got probation for was on video, that he never would have gotten drafted or played in the NFL? Yeah, because no one would have known what he was capable he was of doing. Good. Because we didn't know about him until he got to the Chiefs. I mean, look at Joe Mixon and what he's been able to do for Cincinnati, and you juxtapose that with Ray Rice in the very same division. Ray Rice was on the decline, so it was easy to keep him out of the league. 
Joe Mixon, a young upstart. Oklahoma looks the other way. So do the Bengals, and they draft him. But yeah, I think Tyreek Hill, nobody, we didn't know about him in college at yep. all. So no, I don't think he would have ever gotten a shot. Last uh, point here before we go to break to finish off hour one, and J-Mart will have this going forward. The guy who's now signed the biggest contract, he's Canelo. Uh, and he is signed with a streaming service, Dazen, for $365 million. It's the biggest contract ever signed, I believe, in the history yep, of Yeah, that's sports. right. That's right, Clay. We will talk to you tomorrow from London. Jeff Schwartz joins me next on OutKick. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hour number two, Wednesday edition, OutKick, the coverage radio program here on Fox Sports Radio across the world on foxsportsradio.com via podcast, whenever, wherever you like to consume your media. Search OutKick, the coverage, subscribe, join the millions who have already joined Clay's movement here on Fox Sports Radio. We are coming to you live from the Geico OutKick studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com, get yourself a free rate quote. Also... Brought to you by Granger, America's trusted source for industrial and safety supplies. Visit Granger.com. Clay was with us from uh, overseas there in London where he is on hand for Titans Chargers on Sunday. Thoughts and prayers to him just for attending that football game, at least on paper, which probably means it's going to be a weird game. But as always, usually when I'm in, I'm Jason Martin, formerly the executive producer of this program on Twitter at jmartzone, joined by former eight-year NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz. He's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on Twitter. Jeff, what is up, my friend? Another night of sports, man. We had two baseball games. We got NBA action last night, uh, and the the degenerate I am, I had to lay some money on both those games, yeah. and um, I was 2-0, and which which helps. Um but we're rolling right along, man. Got NFL news, obviously, with Tyreek Hill, um, and uh, and uh, you know it's a, it's a great time to, to be a sports fan in October. It really is, man. NBA starting on October sixteenth just just so it weird. Feel, we talked many times right. on doesn't, no doesn't many feel right. Yeah, we've talked on this show many times. You and I have. Clay has beat this drum for a long time. I remember us talking about it on Radio Row during Super Bowl week. That if you really want to fix the NBA, you start it on Christmas Day. Because that's when people really yes. start to pay attention. And it's that kind of day where there's usually five games on that day. There's a couple of marquee matchups on that day. And it could just become the unofficial or official start of the NBA season to play on Christmas Day. I think that I think he's dead right about that. And for whatever reason, we've got championship series in baseball and we've got the start of the NBA season with two entertaining matchups last night, yeah. which maybe we'll get to. But let's talk a little bit about football because one of the things that Clay talked about in the first hour that, that I discussed with him and that we disagreed about was Odell Beckham Jr. And Giants owner John Mara unhappy yep. about the 1-5 in five start. Wasn't thrilled with the sit-down with Odell and Wheezy with Josina Anderson a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and so he basically says look he needs to do a little more playing and a little less talking uh and and you know clay basically said he agrees and i don't necessarily disagree with the statement but he keeps saying and he said this before i know try to trade odell and there is where he and i disagree well i disagree with that 
very strongly as well. I think Odell is a generational talent, and, I, and I'm not a guy who's often you know pay the wide receiver because I think to Clay's point, I heard him earlier, and it's true, right? You you often don't say to yourself, well. We won this Super Bowl because of a wide receiver. We won the Super Bowl because of a running back. Those are two positions I think that uh, when you build out your team, those are probably taken almost last in a, in a sort of fantasy style draft, yeah. right? For for players on your team. Um, but Odell is that good of a player, and the guys love him in the locker room. That's very important. The problem is Odell did the one thing you can't do, which is criticize the sacred cow and Eli Manning. Um, look, I play with Eli. I love Eli Manning. He's a great guy. Um, but the Giants' problems start with quarterback, and that happens on every team, right? If your team is struggling on offense, it starts with the quarterback. It doesn't, you know, you're a Titans fan. It starts with Marcus Mariota. We talked about the sacks that that, that were allowed on on uh, on Monday. Well, we, me, and you communicated Monday about it. Yes. Um, yes. Out of the 11 sacks, like seven were in Mariota. So it starts with the quarterback, and Odell went out of his way to criticize uh, Eli Manning. And look, it wasn't like he outright criticized him and used his name, but we know what he was getting at. Um, he also did this without the permission of the Giants, without the Giants' knowledge, which bothers them as well, right? Teams just want a heads up. And the Giants, I'll, I'll give them credit for this. They don't care if guys do these interviews. They've never, you know, in my time there, they let me do what I wanted to do. I know I was there with Steve Weatherford, who's now like a fitness model, uh, you know, selling a bunch of fitness stuff. They let him do his fitness thing while, while, while he was there. Rashad Jennings, Dancing with the Stars, right? He got his kind of start in, in the New York media as well. Right. They never said no to this stuff. They just wanted a heads up. And... I think the the image of seeing Little Wayne there and Little Wayne, I, I've been told that Little Wayne, getting o, Odell was only going to do the interview if Little Wayne was there, which just seems odd. But that seems like a real look at me move. And, like I, I understand that, but like right. the fact that Wayne's there, that's when it becomes a bit of a sideshow. That's when it's look at right. me, I'm Odell. That's the only part of it that really bothered me. Um, and Josina Anderson, to give her credit, I mean, this interview was not supposed to be about really Odell and Eli. It was supposed to be about Lil Wayne. I think has a new album coming out. It was supposed to yeah, be about does. that and Carter sports. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be about Odell and Eli, but Josina Anderson, give her credit, did a good job of, of getting those those um, those quotes out of Odell. So look, Odell's not the problem with the Giants. Um, look, would, would I wish that he wouldn't be punching and headbutting an air cooling fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I wish he wouldn't do that, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not it's not a big of an issue. And I, look, I've watched a lot of Giants football this year. I was at the the Giants Panthers game this year, and look, the first three quarters, man. I mean, Elijah's missing guys, uh, and he, but the you know the thing is, he does show at times. Uh, that he can be very effective. So it's I, it's frustrating for Odell, and Odell's open a lot of the time. And I, look, wide receivers, Antonio Brown this year has had the same problems, right? Every game he's upset he's not getting the ball. Every game he's pouting on the sidelines. Um, this kind of comes with the territory of wide receivers. Odell is not breaking this team apart. He's not tearing it apart. He's not causing stress and strife in the locker room. So no way you trade him. You can't. He's untradeable anyways uh, with his contract. Um, you need a new quarterback. And look, I, I wrote early in this year that I thought Eli still had it. I said this all offseason. I thought he still had it. But look, after watching him play so far this year, um, I think it's hard to defend Eli Manning. Look, we, we can discuss. I know that people are going to tweet, well, the Giants offensive line. I mean, yeah, I guess they're not as bad as, as people want to say they are. Are they bad? Yeah, sure. But if you watch that game Thursday night, the Eagles offensive line wasn't playing well in the first half, and Carson Wentz still made plays. Like you can, you can make plays outside of a bad offensive line, and the Giants are in a point right now where uh, Eli's got to throw the ball now, or he's not getting the ball out. And, and um, 
They have a lot of problems on offense. Odell is not any of their problems on offense. Yeah, one stat that I heard, I think it was Robert Mays of the Ringer, pointed out a couple of weeks ago, it may have been Kevin Clark, said that that pass Odell threw to Saquon Barkley was the longest downfield throw that the Giants have had since a week six game in 2016. You can guess who the receiver was on that play. It was yeah, it Odell been, Beckham it would have Jr. Been, it would have been probably the Cowboys touchdown against the Cowboys in 16 on the yeah. slant. Um, yeah, that's probably accurate. I know it's the longest pass they had this year. I was right there too. It happened right in front of me, and I'm like, I'm like guy yelling pass, like I'm like, oh, it's a pass, like like anyone's actually paying attention to what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it was a good <laughs> pass too. And you know what's funny is Barkley was not even the guy that we even thrown it to. Red Ellison was like cut, coming open right in front of Odell. He would have caught it for a touchdown too. Um, but yeah, they they just the the offense is not functioning well, and and the blame for that anywhere else goes to the quarterback. And look, there are a lot of Giants fans who do put this on Eli, but no one in ownership seems to publicly want to put on Eli. And I get it. He's won you two Super Bowls. He's beloved. He's done everything the right way. I mean, dude, he's been there since 2004, and he's never been on page six. He's never been a tabloid, never got in trouble. It's pretty remarkable. I've been you know, I've been out with Eli before. He just kind of slides in and out of locations quietly, unassuming. And that's what's great about big cities, too, is you kind of do that type of stuff without you know people freaking out about you. So um, I get why they don't want to criticize Eli, but, man, it's, it's on Eli. Come on. Yeah, I, I I first guessed this one. I mean, I, I said Eli was done. Other people said he wasn't done. He appears to be done. The problem for the Giants is, and this is what I said yesterday, and this is what I said in the first hour, they took Saquon. Saquon's a heck of a player, but the Giants couldn't afford to take Saquon no, because they don't have their quarterback situation right, and they could have Sam Darnold right now. They could have Josh Rosen right now. They could have any number of guys, with the exception, I guess, of Baker Mayfield, since the Browns took him at one. They could have gone ahead and gotten their quarterback for the future because they don't have a quarterback for the future. In fact, what we found out, Jeff, is they don't have a quarterback for the present, which means one in five is going to get a lot worse to take it from Scott Frost before it can get any better. It's just going to be a dreadful season for the Giants. We're going to see Saquon show flashes of why he might be the most talented guy that came out of that draft but unfortunately for Saquon he's not going to be in a position to win you football games right even if you give him a lot of touches the quarter if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL you you just can't win no you can't and it's interesting is is sometimes teams kind of luck into to getting guys right um you know the Packers uh lucked into getting Rodgers he should never fall in the 23 um you know the Colts lose Peyton Manning for a year and they happen to be the worst team ever and they get Andrew Luck right I mean teams just kind of luck into this situation the the Niners go from Joe Montana to Steve Young you often don't go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer the Giants might luck into Justin Herbert this year the quarterback from Oregon you think he's that good Yes, he's the, he, tell, he dude. He is a monster, bro. He is. He's. In, this is if he comes out. He's six four two. I saw him at Pac twelve Media Day, um, and he looked me in the eye. Like he's six six. He's two forty. He's got a cannon. And here's the thing about him. And this is what people are gonna say is, is you know, oh, it's Oregon and it's a it's a college spread offense. It's not, man. It's a pro style offense. They run some college run game schemes, but they punch you in the mouth. And Herbert stands in that pocket. And he stands tall. He is he is the best quarterback by far. Um, he might even be better suited, at least talent wise, than a lot of the quarterbacks that were drafted this season. I think maturity is gonna be an issue with him. There's people talking about you know he's very soft spoken, um, and uh, that's. 
that's part of the issue maybe with him, and he might stay a year. He might stay a year for many reasons. One is Oregon. If or, look, I know people don't want to admit this. Oregon um, is close to a playoff team. I'm surprised. I didn't think they would they were going to be this good this year. Um, but if they had been Stanford, which they should have been Stanford. They're in the playoff if they went out. Obviously, they could they could even be in out 12 and one. But next year they return almost everyone, uh, Jason, from that team. Almost everyone. I think on offense they don't have one senior who's starting right now. Um, they have the best offensive line in the, in the country right now, probably top three offensive line. They're playing really well. Um, Herbert might come back, so he might not even come out. His brother is, is going to be Oregon next year as well, and he's from Oregon. He's from Eugene from two miles away, so he might not leave. But if he does, Giants might, might luck into a quarterback, and mostly because the teams that are worse than the Giants, Raiders, Cardinals, Colts, Colts are one and five. They're not obviously worse, but these teams that are that are quote unquote worse by record, they have quarterbacks already. So the Giants could be at four or five, and Niners and, really and not point. need and not need a, and those guys don't need. Now you you worry about someone jumping up and taking a quarterback, right? But there's not a lot of teams right now. If you look in the NFL, that you think to yourself are in desperate need of a quarterback. Most teams have a young quarterback that you know that that, that that they're working through or they have their franchise quarterback. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, how many teams would you say like, man, that team really well, needs a new quarterback? Denver's I, one I of mean, them. I look at my I mean, yeah, that I mean yeah. my Broncos, you called me a Titans fan earlier. I'm actually a Broncos sorry, fan, I forgot, but yes. Case Keenum still has money that he has to be paid next year, so that's going to be a bit of a problem. I think they should have gone and gotten somebody this past draft, but I would be fine if they leveraged whatever they needed to leverage to go up and try to get a Justin Herbert because clearly they don't have a quarterback for the future. They have a guy that can get you by for a little while. It's not like Case Keenum's a terrible football player, but you don't ever look at him and say, well, he's your franchise quarterback. He's not. He's got a two-year contract. Right. I don't know exactly what John Elway's thought process was on what he expected Case Keenum to be. But unfortunately, that mistake might actually be the thing that, that cost the Broncos for half yeah. a decade. Right. And they're able to, I think, and John Elway was actually in Eugene uh, to scout Herbert this weekend. He left early. He just left the game like four minutes left. Like, I've seen, I, I seen, I see what I have, to, what I had to see. Um, and he's out. So yeah, the Broncos could trade up. By the way, you know, I know you're, you're a Broncos guy. Does Elway get the, get the heat he should for building that roster the way it no. is? No, not at all. I mean, he does for me. I've I've mentioned no, it on my show it, here it, in Nashville. Makes, I mean, he he should. He gets a he's, free he's pass. done a terrible. He's done a terrible he, job. He hired a coach that's not that doesn't seem fit for the job, um, and that's on John Elway. Um, Peyton Manning kind of saved his bacon. They've never been able to draft and develop a quarterback. And even the year that Baker, that uh, Baker, that, that uh, Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl for for the Broncos, they weren't. He wasn't very good. Brock Osweiler basically replaced him. It was it was playing at a better. That's right. Better than he was, and they, put, they won oh, so, because of the defense. We, right. I mean, we all know that they won Correct. because of the defense. So the, the move that they got was they. I mean, they got Von Miller, and they got. Uh, God, did Elway draft Von? That's about it. Did Elway draft Von Miller though? I don't think so. I remember us doing a stat actually on this show when you and I were filling in, where John Elway had not drafted a single guy that became an All Pro. Or no one that had reached a Pro Bowl or become first or second team NFL since he got there, which was pretty amazing. And that was before, obviously, this past season. So it's just, it's it's not been a good thing. And of course, he hadn't been able to find a quarterback. Paxton Lynch was a huge bust. But Jason, not even that. Garrett Bowles, a draft out of Utah, yeah, right. left tackle, has not played yeah. well. He, he he holds, he tackles guys every game. Most holding penalties in the NFL last year, and he's would be on pace this year. Um, and you're so preaching to the things, choir. 
So I, I don't know if LOA will, will ever get the blame that he deserves for the situation. I think they go down, by the way, and we can maybe discuss this tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow, I think they lose in Arizona tomorrow night. So I think Vance Joseph, is, I think they lose, he's out. I mean, he's, I don't know, look, we, I did Sirius NFL Radio the other night. Uh, the other day, we talked to him. He was on our show at, um, on Monday afternoon. He, he understands where his team's at right now. I mean, he's not, he's not shying away from it, but they've allowed over 200 yards rushing the last two weeks. Yep. Um, and the, you know the one common denominator, by the way, it's really it's kind of an odd thing between Denver's defense playing poorly and Jacksonville's defense playing poorly last week. They both have played really bad coming off games against the Chiefs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, you heard um, uh, when you play against the Chiefs and you're tired as a result, of, especially the defense is yeah. tired chasing around Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and dealing with Pat Mahomes and all of those weapons and trying to tackle Kelsey. Like they were beat up and they had a short week and then they came back out. Who who was the second play second best player on the Broncos? Think about that as we take our break here. We'll come back and we will continue to discuss this and break it down. We will talk about the Tyreek Hill situation as well as other things happening. Le'Veon Bell and whatever the drama is continuing in Pittsburgh. We'll discuss that as well. But before we can get to all that, let me tell you, if you've ever driven past the snowy vineyards by I-90, you've probably wondered whose idea it was to grow grapes there. Well, the man's name was Ephraim Wales Bull, and it took him more than 22,000 seedlings of grapes to invent the Concord grape. That's a tough fruit that could thrive in those cold winters. It was either that or it was moving to Florida. And you can infer by the 22,000 attempts, that really was not an option for a man whose last name happened to be Bull. The world's toughest antioxidants, Welch's, tough as grapes. And all week, the fall football tour, Clay Overseas, for Titans Chargers, he's part of it, and it's brought to you by Granger. Huddle up with Granger, America's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products. Visit Granger.com for whatever you need, whenever you need it. Granger for the ones who get it done. We'll be right back with more Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. A little incubus. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This week, we're also brought to you by Granger, America's trusted source for industrial and safety supplies. Visit Granger.com. Jeff Schwartz is down in Charlotte at GEOFF Schwartz to follow him. He played on the offensive line in the NFL for eight seasons. I'm Jason Martin here in Nashville at JMartZone on Twitter. Executive producer of this fine program is Danny G. Spinning the dials radio style for us out in Los Angeles. In Sherman Oaks is Roberto Flores. Our anchor today as Eddie Garcia celebrated a birthday yesterday and is headed overseas to join Clay, perhaps, if Clay will be seen in public with him in London. So Ralph Irvin's in for him, and Dub Yarbrough is my assistant here in Nashville. He also answers the phones. And by the way, our phone number is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox if you want to join us uh, that way, if you don't just want to tweet us. Jeff, you're taking tweets because you made the mistake of putting the inquisitive emoji up and put the word hmm as it related to James Conner's numbers against Le'Veon Bell. No actual emoji was put on there, by the way. Just oh hump. really? Yeah. No, I know. Okay. I know. Fake I news not, by I, me. I went, Sorry. I went like I went only half millennial on that. Tweet. Okay. Um, look, here's the deal, man. I said this from the start with, and I, I don't think I was on. Was I on during that time when when the Steelers' offensive line? I think I might have been. But look, here's the deal: the Steelers' offensive line wants Bell to get paid. They also want Bell to be there. Um, he told him he'd be there. 
He was not there. They're upset about that. They're rightfully they're, they're rightfully upset about that. It's interesting the narrative has turned to where the Steelers' offensive line was against Le'Veon Bell getting paid. No, no, they're for him getting paid. The one thing people keep missing, and this is a very it's a very important point in this whole debate over the Steelers' offensive line, because it came back this week with with Mark Schlereth uh, on First Things First yesterday. It was either yesterday or the day before when he mentioned this. Um, and I don't understand why this is high. It's a very odd concept for people to to root for, not root for, but to to they Le'Veon Bell's not going to be a, around. He, no, I'll I'll get to the wording of how I want to say that in a second. But let me just okay. get to my point. Um, All right, it Van Bell will not be a Pittsburgh Steeler next year. Zero chance of that. Right? James Conner is producing yeah. the same amount of war of 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 yards per rush. Uh, scrimmage yards. He's the same amount of scrimmage yards, by the way, as Le'Veon Bell did last year through the first six weeks of the season. Uh, now, one difference is Bell did miss camp last year. He, sl- he started slow last season, so I'll give Bell a little bit of, of, a, of a breather there. But James Conner's played well. Steelers have a good offensive line, so he's not going to be a Steeler next year. He'll probably be a quite honestly probably be a New York Jet. Uh, that's where I think he'll end up. They have a lot of money and and they need a running back. Um, so it's hard for me to think the Steelers' offensive line, and they're rooting for him to get paid, by the way, should accept that Le'Veon Bell is going to miss 10 games this year to stay healthy to play for someone else in 2019. That's an odd concept for me to believe the Steelers' offensive line should be rooting for. Because if you're saying that they should be 100% committed to backing Le'Veon Bell in his holdout, you're basically telling them, hey, guys, I want you to root for Le'Veon Bell to help someone else out in 2019, which is an odd concept in my opinion. The NFL is a year-to-year league; it's not a week. To, it's not a. It's not a. It's not a. You know, the five-year league. The Patriots are the only team that can has been has had the success for that long. No, it's a year-to-year league, and it's an odd concept to me to, to wrap my head around that people should that people should think the Steelers' offensive line should root for that. They want Bell there to help them win now, and maybe it's selfish of them, and maybe they're not they're not being union union guys. But again. There's nothing that can be done now. The franchise tag is in place. It's something that we can we can discuss in 2020, and maybe this is evidence of that. But in this situation, though, the Steelers, the NFL is winning because Le'Veon Bell's production is being is being matched by James Conner. If it was if James Conner was not playing well, then Le'Veon Bell would have a case and say, "Look, see, I'm worth more. You should have paid me." But they don't have that problem right now because Conner's production is just fine. So. Le'Veon Bell's losing, in my opinion, in, in in this whole thing. And so are players. Players should actually be rooting for James Conner and not play well, rather than rooting for the Steelers' offensive line to publicly back Le'Veon Bell, which they have been this entire time. Because it's proving the point that Le'Veon Bell's not as valuable, valuable. as he claims he is. He's not, Look, he's a great athlete. But the you know who's leading the NFL right now in yards per carry? I'm going to pull up just to uh, make sure. I mean, Gurley, Zeke, and um, no, no. who was the third guy? Uh, Melvin Gordon are the three guys in top in rushing yards. I'm not sure. Yards per carry? Who is in the lead in yards per carry, though? Is it Tariq uh, Cohen? No, it's Matt Breida. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Who's um, banged up right now? Yeah, he's averaging. I think he's averaging 6.6 yards a carry. I'm going to make sure I have this right just to make sure. And obviously, look. Total rushing yards is very important. Obviously, Todd Gurley. He's Todd Gurley. He's, I think he can. You, you can make a case that he is. Um, the MVP. That he's MVP right now. Um, 
Let me pull it. Matt Breida. Where's uh, here we go? San Francisco as yeah. a team. See, Matt Breida only 5. has five point one yards. Yeah, Matt Breida has only sixty three carries. Um, you know, Todd Gurley has hundred and fifty. Right. But he's averaging six point eight yards a carry. Pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, if you go with attempts per game, you know, Todd Gurley's getting 21, 21 touches a game, um, and he's averaging four point eight carry. It's really good. Obviously, I'm not knocking Todd Gurley, but you know, you can. You can find running backs if you so choose in later rounds. And Gurley was obviously a first-round pick. So is Zeke Elliott. I mean, look, there are guys that are playing well that are first-round draft picks. Sony Michelle. I mean, these guys are playing well. Melvin but Gordon was taken in the same but, draft with uh, with Zeke. But generally I think speaking, they were both top ten. You can find someone outside of the top five. Uh, but also, if you if you draft a running back in the top five, you should already have your quarterback in place. So remember, the Cowboys had Tony Romo. They thought he was their guy. They drafted Zeke Elliott. The Giants thought Eli was their guy. Mistake. They drafted, ended up drafting um, a running back Stay when they drafted a quarterback. So you can draft a quarterback early, running back early if you have that quarterback in place. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The Giants were not a team that had the luxury of taking a Saquon Barkley. No. Despite how enamored they may have been, and rightfully so, with what he is able to do, because he's only able to do so much, even if you give him a lot of touches. He has 84 carries on the season. He's he averaging have, 5.2 yards. He doesn't have enough touches. He does not have enough no, touches. No, not, not at all. Not not at all. Uh, not not compared to when you look at the rest of that offense, he should be carrying. He should have the ball thirty times a game, twenty five times a game. Yeah, you've got to find a way to get him involved in the offense more often, certainly than they have. But if you look at the top five, you've got Breida, you've got Austin Eckler with the Chargers, you've got Isaiah Crowell who's six point one yards per attempt, yeah. on Johnson, a rookie out of Auburn, and then Philip Lindsay. That's your top five. Yeah, the Broncos rookie, Lindsey, undrafted, by the way, out of Colorado. Yes. Uh, he's done really well with the Broncos. So, look, of course, you know, high 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 drafted backs are doing well, but you don't you don't have to have a high drafted back. So, you know, back to James Conner and Bell. Um, is Bell a better, a more talented player? Yes, but the production speaks for itself. And um, when when Le'Veon Bell comes back, it's going to be really interesting to see how James Conner is used. James Carter, to me, doesn't feel like a third down running back, right? He feels like a guy that has to that has to get a lot of carries because if you watch his games, he typically he typically um, plays better as the, as the game goes on, and that's ideally what you want from your run game, right? Early in the game, you get a you know two, three, four, seven, two yard carries, and then the, the fourth quarter it's when you break off your ten, your right. twelve, your fifteen yard right. run. So he's a guy that kind of needs those carries early in the game to get into a rhythm, and eventually he busts loose late. So um, really fast to see how they use him. Yeah, I mean he's another one of those attrition style backs that just beat you to death, and then when you're tired, he'll run past you. In the second yes. half and help you win games, uh, keep drives alive, add time of possession, keep other offenses off the field. He's definitely that kind of player. But yeah, no, I agree with you just in terms of looking at it from a pure statistical standpoint. It rarely makes sense to pay a running back what a running back thinks they're worth in 2018. And certainly in the case of Le'Veon Bell, who some might say is the best running back in football, yeah. it just isn't really... It doesn't look to make sense on paper. It makes more sense for the Steelers to have waited this out the way that they have. If they lose Le'Veon Bell, they lose Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, you think the Le'Veon Bell situation is far worse than the Odell situation in terms of how they've gone down 
and how those guys are perceived what is the, at this what point. Is the, what is the Odell situation? That he run, that he ran his mouth in an interview and said Eli wasn't very good. Is that just, I mean, is that really what it is? is that what I mean, I, I guess. To? I mean, I guess. <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's him so, saying a couple like of that. things. Think about it. He basically said that we don't throw the ball downfield, which we don't. He said that Eli is not very very playing very well right now, which he's not. What like what's the sin in that? He went on ESPN with with Little Wayne and said it. I mean, right? I mean, I guess I guess that's the problem. Is he did is, is he went ahead and did that? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think there's a situation necessarily either. Odell is getting a lot of press because he's Odell, and because of the way that the comments yeah. went down, the, right. the context in which they were made with with Weezy and right. on ESPN and just sort of the nonchalance. I thought you call Weezy like like y'all are boys. It's fantastic. We are boys. Um, the Carter Five, man. It, I helped him dub that thing. It's uh, it's. I will tell you this though. This is a, I think a positive for the NFL as a whole. Is the things we're talking about now are things that are happening on the field, uh, a little bit off the field. But yeah, like we're talking about things that happen on the field. And that's partly why the ratings are back. Everything's back up, right? Everything's kind of back on track now. The ref, the, we're, we we don't talk about the refs very often anymore. Even though the ref and the passer penalty is still getting called, but it's not being called as much. The helmet rule, they threw that thing out. Um there's been a couple ejections, but those are like textbook ejections, right? You're like, okay, yes. that's not that's not allowed anymore. You're not, you know, you're you're not playing anymore today. Um, you know, we saw a hit on Cam Noon. I mean, they're, they're textbook, right? Um, and we're talking about things that are happening on the field or really in the locker room, not anything else. I think it's fabulous for the league. There's no more distractions. Nothing. You know, Roger Dell, by the way, has gone into to hiding. Where, where's Roger Goodell? He's not even talking anymore to anyone. Um, it's probably the only a good thing you've thing. heard him say in weeks is what he said about Paul Allen. When he put that statement yeah, out after that? Paul oh, Allen passed away, I was on the, I was on the away. radio for that. He seems like a beloved owner. If you if you read yes. and listen to everything that that was said by anyone, and he used to invite his employees out to to play basketball on his uh, at his at his um his little island uh, little island getaway house every Monday night or Tuesday night. All empl- all his employees because he his company uh, started ESPN.com. So way back when when the company was starting up. He invited employees out to play basketball with him on every. It was every Monday or Tuesday night, and, and we had Bruce Feldman on my show, my Pac-12 show, and he was part of that early group that helped kind of launch ESPN.com. And he said, "Man, it was it was awesome. He just treated us like you know, like he was not. He was one of us when he's clearly not, obviously." Right. When you read about him, there were a lot of real positive things. A couple of longer form articles that I read uh, that are well worth going to check out yeah. about Paul Allen. Uh, we've got Lorenzo in Atlanta. We'll take his phone call, but uh, we've got to get to Ralph Irvin first. But before we get to Ralph and get an update on sports, it's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That is why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use the promo code CLAY, C-L-A-Y, for 20% savings. Also, we're brought to you by Granger, America's trusted source for industrial and safety supplies, visit Granger.com. We made a call to the bullpen in the update studio as Eddie Garcia is headed over to London. It's Ralph Irvin. Ralph, take it away. Well, thank you very much. And we start with the National League Championship Series where the Dodgers came through in the 13th inning, specifically Cody Bellinger with the RBI single to give L.A. the 2-1 win and the 2-2 series tie. Here's Bellinger after the game. Uh, honestly, I was surprised that um, they were throwing at me. I thought they were going to try and pitch around me and get me to swing. And once I saw that they were attacking me, it was just uh, it was kind of grind mode and do what you can, put the ball in play, and uh, try and end this game. They've got to turn it around fast. First pitch in L.A. for Game 5 will be at 5 o'clock 
Eastern time. Earlier in the night, Tuesday, Houston hosting Boston and the Red Sox rate two winners over the Astros. Boston now takes a two games to one series lead into Wednesday's game four. Also Tuesday night, the start of the NBA regular season, two games on the hardwood. Boston, a 105-87 winner over Philadelphia. Jason Tatum led the Celtics with 23 points. And Russell Westbrook didn't suit up for Oklahoma City as they played at Golden State. The Warriors were 108-100 winners over the Thunder. Steph Curry, 32 points. Kevin Durant had 27. Now back to you guys in the OutKick Studios. Thank you, Ralph. We are coming to you live from the aforementioned Geico Outkick Studios. Outkick the coverage radio program with Clay overseas in London for the remainder of the week. He'll join me again tomorrow morning in the first hour of the program. He was with us for the first hour today. We will hear part of that hour in the third hour of this show. That's hour said way too many times in one sentence. We'll uh, hear what he had to say about Tyreek Hill, and we're going to talk about that as well in the third hour but it is easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier clay in london like we said in advance of sunday's titans chargers game the fall football tour is brought to you by granger huddle up with granger america's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products visit granger.com for whatever you need whenever you need it granger for the ones who get it done Jeff Schwartz gets it done. He's down in Charlotte. I'm Jason Martin, formerly the executive producer of this program. I am in Nashville. I want to take a phone call, but let's get a break in. Lorenzo, hang with us, and we'll take your call about Le'Veon Bell and the O-line coming back. We'll go ahead and take that final break of the hour now. This is Outkick the Coverage. Jay Martin, Jeff, in for Clay on a Wednesday here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. It's my homie, Wheezy F, baby. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Pros in the nose start with Lowe's. They save 5% on eligible purchases every day made with a Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% savings in-store and online. Subject to credit approval, cannot be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply. See store for details, U.S. only. And guess what? We're brought to you by Granger, America's trusted source for industrial and safety supplies. Visit Granger.com. I'm Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz with me. He'll be with me as well tomorrow. Clay Travis in London. He was with us for the first hour. You'll hear a little bit of that hour coming up a little bit later on in the program, and he will join me for the first hour on tomorrow's show as well. We've been talking a little bit about this Le'Veon Bell situation and what James Conner has been doing and just what Le'Veon Bell is worth at this point and how it hasn't really gone his way. And I'm sure he's been paying attention to that and I'm sure he realizes it privately, even though of course he still hasn't shown up with the team and it's become kind of a mess and it's usually on the front page of every major sports website. I believe we still have Lorenzo in Atlanta on line one. Let's bring him into the discussion. Lorenzo, how are you? Hey, man, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Okay. Um, well, just two points I want to touch on real quick. Uh, first point, for the Steelers to offer Le'Veon Bell $17 million guaranteed when he's already getting 14, is insult- it's insulting, it's disrespectful, and it's a personal. I, I, if I was Le'Veon Bell, I would take it personal in 2018. When uh, I believe it was the Pouncey, the Pouncey that came out and said that Le'Veon said he was going to be there uh, the first week or whatever that day that was. The point of a holdout is to hold out 
to hold the uh, the owners hostage until they pay you because they don't know when you're going to show up. If you say the guy's going to be there at a certain date, there's no there's basically no holdout. So basically, I blame this whole situation on Le'Veon Bell not showing up to week seven or ten. Not on Le'Veon Bell, but the offensive line because they took the power out of Le'Veon Bell's hands. Do Do you realize that Le'Veon Bell can get no more money right now? Like, there's l- literally. The Steelers cannot give him more money. Like they, they, they legit. Like if they went to Le'Veon Bell and said, "We will give you one hundred billion dollars," they couldn't. They could. He could not accept that deal. I you know that, that, right? I understand so, that. So, yeah, like, there's, that. so there's no. So he's holding out to get ready for next season, which is fine. That's his right to do. Right. But he's not. He's not. He's not screwing the Steelers by holding out. They're getting the same production from James Conner. Like there's nothing. He's not. He's oh, not yeah. proving a. He's not proving a point to the Steelers. He actually lost because they're getting oh, yeah. the same production from Le'Veon. So my point is that he told the Steelers he'd be there. They went out. Look, the Steelers' offensive line told everyone he'd be there Wednesday of week one. They went out of their way to tell everyone, look, guys, he'll be here. He told us he's going to be here. And then he didn't show up. He ignored all their phone calls, ignored all the text messages, and they were pissed about it. Mm-hmm. Well, so that, that's, why this, that's why this went down this way. Right, but they shouldn't say anything in the first place. That was not their business to share. That was Le'Veon Bell Cavani's team. Hey, don't worry, guys. I got you. I got love for you. I'm going to be there for you. But he wasn't. But he wasn't. Went, but he wasn't. They, because they messed it up. Because no. when they opened him out, they okay. Here, in in regards to your first point, that they can't give him any more money. When they had the opportunity to pay him twice, they didn't. He doesn't care about screwing them. This doesn't. This doesn't matter. The Steelers don't matter at all to him at this point. He cares about Le'Veon Bell, which he should, because they screwed him twice. Then his offensive linemen screw him, and I would have done the exact same thing. And I have a, I have a whole three hundred coworkers that work with me that agree at the same with, with me on the same thing. I have a question. Right. He's right. I have a question uh-huh. though. What what is what do you mean by screwing Le'Veon Bell? Because you know teams are allowed to offer what they feel your value is, and we don't actually know what that deal was. They actually offered Le'Veon Bell. I've heard reports of he got thirty million guaranteed, or he was going to get the same contract that basically almost like a little bit more than David Johnson got. But what, what like what is they they just didn't offer him a contract, right? I mean, they they, they were going to pay him fourteen and a half million dollars this year, guaranteed. Um, he wants a long-term contract, and they didn't value him. So, look, I'm a player. I'm a former player. I, I, I'm always on the side of the players, but I don't see where like he got screwed by the Steelers. They just didn't want to give him a long-term contract. The franchise tag is terrible, but that's part of the CBA. Right. We have to negotiate that out of the CBA next, you know, in 2020 because it's not it, it's not fair to the players. But that's that's where we're in right now. I just don't feel he was screwed. They were offering him. He would have made 30 million guaranteed over two years. It's pretty good for a running back. Oh no! If, if that's the case, if you're going to make thirty million, thirty million guaranteed over two years, I feel better about it. But the reports that I saw said he was only going to make seventy million. No, I know. Really I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen combined. We've been thirty million over two years with the franchise tax. Oh, see, that's that's the past. See, the 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 money was already gotten. We have to worry about going forward. Right, that's the whole concept. The, the the Steelers don't care about the stats from last year. If he, if he showed up and he averaged two yards a carry and two touchdowns in the entire year, he's cut. They don't care about the year before. Neither should he care about the year before. It's this point going forward. All right, thanks, Lorenzo. Appreciate the phone call. I'm not exactly sure the point he was trying to make. No, no, just there towards to the, the end. Just trying to blame the Steelers' offensive line. Yeah, it's not really on them. I mean, basically. Le'Veon Bell didn't live up to his word to them. They were expecting him to be there because he said, just as in Lorenzo talk, our phone caller there, 
I got you. I'm going to be there for you. He didn't have them, and he was not there for them. Like, everything that he told them turned out not to be true. And regardless, look, he didn't just hold out from the Steelers guys in suits. He held out from talking to anybody on the football team about what was going on. He was misrepresenting everything he said, and then he just clammed up and said nothing. Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, what do you expect the O-line to do? Just sit there and grin and bear that and act like it's great? I know. It's Le'Veon Bell's business. I get that. But he sort of involved the rest of the team and then just cut them out of the loop completely. So I don't know what choice they they honestly had to be truthful about it. So that was Lorenzo's phone call. Six, uh, we're at 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. We'll jump back into the baseball discussion. Dodgers even it up last night. I'm sure Jeff's happy about that. Plus Tyree Kill next. And the 1-1 to JBJ. Swinging a high drive to right field. Reddick going back. Back to the warning track. This ball is going. And it is gone. A grand slam for Jackie Bradley Jr. And the Red Sox have broken it open. They lead it 8-2. Can you believe it? Guerra on 3-2 and two to Bellinger. Here's the pitch. Ground ball. Base hit into right field. Machado's on his way home. Throw to the plate. And the Dodgers will win it. They win it 2-1, to one, and the series is all even at two games apiece. Bellinger with the walk-off, smash to right. Machado scores, hit first slide. The Dodgers win in 13. And now the NLCS is the best two out of three. Courtesy of Johnny Hustle himself, 13 innings, Cody Bellinger heroics, and the Dodgers tied it too. That's where we are, as well as the Red Sox getting an 8-2 to win as well. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, hour number three of the Outkick the Coverage radio program here on Fox Sports Radio across the country, across the world, on foxsportsradio.com and via podcasts, however you consume your media. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Hit up the website, visit geico.com, get yourself a free rate Quote, I'm Jason Martin, formerly the executive producer of this program. Jeff Schwartz, formerly an offensive lineman in the league, now a media personality. He's with me today. He's with me tomorrow. He's with me Monday. Clay Travis is in London this week in advance of Sunday's Titans-Chargers game. The fall football tour, he's part of it, is brought to you by Granger. Huddle up with Granger, America's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products. Visit Granger.com for whatever you need. Whenever you need it, Granger for the ones who get it done. Game five is actually going to bump Clay Travis's television show, which he wouldn't have been on. Jason Whitlock is filling in for him this week on Lock It In. But game five of the NLCS is going to bump him or bump that show completely off. And it's two to two, just like Danny said it was. Not like Danny was going to predict the Dodgers were going to lose a baseball game. But there was some drama here. Machado scores the... The run there on the single, the walk-off from Cody Bellinger. And Machado's who everybody's talking about because of what happened at first base that led to a little bit of a bench-clearing brawl. He's trying to leg out a hit, and he kind of clips Aguilar's kind, foot. Kind of clips it? Okay. I know he I know he clipped it. Do you think that was just straight-up dirty by Machado? Yes. yes. Um, and look. This was oh. Jeff as he was watching. 
Well, actually, I, that would be impossible as I was sleeping. Um, come on, Danny. You, you're That's dirty. Come on. He's, it's not he's, dirty. It's not? <laughs> that, no, the guy's foot was on first base. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. Dude, Jeff, he kicked him in the back of the heel, man. Come on. Danny. Jeff. Okay. Jonathan really? said he was trying to step over him. Okay. His foot okay. Was on so, the back. So, so tonight, I don't even know who plays first for the Dodgers. Bellinger, right? So tonight, when, when, uh, when Ryan Braun gets a... Trying to leg out a single. I hope he kicks him in the back of the leg and see what happens. I'm just, asking, I'm just like that's. I mean, look, uh, you can say that it's not dirty, but why does no one else do it then? He's got to run through the bag. Yeah, I'm not sure what you want him to do in that case. He's got to run through the bag, and the guy's leg is sticking out. What are you supposed to do? The guy's leg is sticking. Out. Everyone else manages to step over that guy's leg. Machado manages to kick him. Like I don't. Like, here's the thing about this type of stuff, guys: is why does no one else do it all the time? We don't see. We there were there were two thousand baseball games this year. This happened zero times, and Machado just gets unlucky that it happens to him on national TV last night. Is that, is that what you're supposed to believe? This, we have two thousand baseball games. Now, it doesn't happen at all. Wait for and those it, just tuning in. Jeff is a Giants fan, which is very strange because Jeff is from Los Angeles. So, I, I don't care but, that I, this has nothing to do with me. Uh, so, are, are you serious? So, if uh, if Buster Posey did this, you would have a problem with it. it. Would have changed the rule? Yes, <laughs> they would have changed the rule. First, yes, it, it also is correct too. They would have changed the rule. Uh, yeah, I would have a problem with it. I have a problem. I talk about it on Twitter all the time. Like, I like I think Mass and Bumgarner is ridiculous for all his unwritten rule bull that he does. Like, he shouldn't he shouldn't be doing that. Okay, um, Jeff. Oh, I can't say Jeff, that. Let's slow down yeah. there, race. You're not on satellite radio right yeah, now. Well, you are. Radio. No, no. Well, this you is are terrestrial on terrestrial yeah. there, Holmes. Well, we are carried. I don't know. I don't we are know. carried on know. satellite. I don't know what words I can and cannot say sometimes. On the, on I can tell like you. That. I can tell you. You can't uh, say that one. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um, I, wow. I was about, I was, I was about to get okay. fiery here. Is I was this about, Giants fan? I was, a, I was about to get bumped anyways at some point. I mean, muted at some point, whatever. <laughs> um, dumped at some point. Just Wait, no, no, Jeff, I, you're on timeout. Hang on, kill his microphone. Dave's Jeff's on turn timeout. Your microphone off. Yeah. Take a deep breath. He's on timeout right now. Uh, you probably didn't hear it, but Jeff used a really bad word for the radio. <laughs> was it that was it that bad? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, no. I, I, I talk often about about Bumgarner doing that stuff too. Like, I, I don't think Bumgarner should be throwing at dudes all the time and staring guys down who hit home runs off of them. I'm fine with I, bat flipping all that look, stuff. The one I thing just, I'll say, Jeff, I had more of a problem with Machado reaching his arm out and trying to grab the leg of the second baseman two games ago. That to me was more egregious than I agree. him stepping over or trying to at, at first base. So I, I don't see why you clear the benches over something like no, that. You, no, you shouldn't it, do that. You shouldn't clear the benches for that, but you you can say it's a dirty play and also think the reaction is too... Dirty is, is too, too strong of a word for that. That's not dirty in baseball. Machado That's, seems to play entitled baseball. He does. He and seems he's been, to he's play been playing like, like this the for rich a long guy time. that's never been told no. Right. None of know? us watched him that much play for the Orioles, right? No, we just no, saw highlights. No. Yeah, yeah right. we saw highlights of his home runs. That's what we saw. He's always played like this. He he did admit that hustling is not for him. Yeah, yeah he said he yeah, called Johnny Johnny hustle. hustle instead of Charlie. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get the name right. Um, he said hustling is not for him. No, look, it's it's a dirty play, but it's not it's not egregious enough to to clear the benches. Baseball guys just can't wait to clear the benches. My favorite thing about about benches clearing, by the way. Is the bullpen dudes that sprint full speed <laughs> from yeah. the bullpen, Instead just of going waiting, at each other, right? just yeah. waiting, John Rocker <laughs> style, yep. just waiting for a fight. Um, yeah, and they're not going to do anything. They get out there and no, then they, they fight ever, and then not, they not Olay. In that, not they, not in that. Not they in the fight. Of a, not not in the thirteenth inning of a baseball game. <laughs> what is less violent, a baseball fight or, or an NBA fight? 
Uh, well, some NBA dudes try to throw down. Yeah. I would say I would very say few baseball. though. I mean, like yeah, Stephen yeah, Jackson yeah, will throw down MLB. Yeah, it, well, more. if we're talking Nolan Ryan, then, then oh yeah, yeah, then you got some, yeah, I mean, so then, there was a t- there was a time when N- Rondor NBA players went, in, went into the stands to try to fight the fans. So yeah, that was a mouse in the palace. We, that's true. We haven't had that in baseball, have we? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, you had to get Ron Artest out of the league and Stephen Jackson out of the league, and now all of a sudden you don't have that stuff anymore. Most NBA we, fights are shows; like they don't correct. even want to touch each other. Correct. They're fa- it's like a f- it's a fake tough guy stuff. Um, yes. No baseball. They rarely throw punches. Um, but I think you know. I think there's a time and a place. And look, and, and Machado might get thrown at tonight. Uh, it depends on how the umpires handle it before the game. And you know, there's a time and a place. I don't think you it. can do that in, an, in a uh, championship series game. This ain't the regular season. Like the risk right. that well, you take depends. by throwing at Machado, you can't do that. If well, you're it the depends Brewers. on what the umpires warn him before the game or not if they say like you know if you throw at him you're out of the game then you obviously can't do that especially tonight considering the, the brewers have to win tonight i mean if they don't i mean they don't have to win but if they if they beat kershaw tonight it's another crushing defeat for the dodgers um with kershaw and then brewers you know have to go back home and win one one game so um i don't think they would throw at him tonight but if they got opportunity in this in this championship series i think they'll i think they'll try to do it at some point well you know why they're not gonna lose at home this afternoon because Danny Why and I are going to be there. Roberto's going to be in attendance. I'm going to be in attendance. The place is going to be rocking. Yeah, but you have you have playoff Clayton Kershaw though, so I, well, look, that is mm, overstated. Uh, that it really uh, is. Look, he, Don, certainly, he certainly pitched uh, well against my guys. He did. Uh, Don Mattingly never had the bullpen to go to, so Kershaw's biggest problems in the playoffs came in the seventh inning. That dreaded seventh inning. Yeah. Up until that point, it's he weird how Bumgarner didn't have that problem in the seventh inning. Yeah, very often. Yeah, let's go down memory lane because <laughs> <laughs> Bumgarner hasn't looked like that for how many years? Since he since he went at off, least Kershaw. Off, Kersh- since he dirt, yeah, dirt, dirt biking. Dirt, dirt biking. At least yeah. Kershaw has something left in the tank. And um, I was impressed. Uh, I was impressed with Bellinger. Especially making that catch that he oh, made. I that mean, was dude, the, that was the difference in the game. Ten. I think he's been like what ten times he's played right field. You know, and he's out there making that yeah. grab last talk, night. And talk about redemption. Go back to game three. You saw him almost go Bo Jackson on his bat, and, and yeah, he did. Yeah. He realized that his skinny leg probably couldn't do that, so he <laughs> did the double hand throw down with the bat, and he was so frustrated. I felt happy for him last night, watching him in the outfield. And and look, he hasn't played that much in right field. So for a guy that's not that familiar with that position to make a play like that, did you see how much ground he covered? Yeah, and, no, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't. Need, I think he played eleven games. That's it. in right field during the regular and that, season. That was and he's Lorenzo Kane. Kane is capable of an inside the park home run. If that ball gets past right. a diving Bellinger, then we don't even need Bellinger's hit in the in you know extra right. innings. Because Man, that because the Brewers would have won that game without that diving catch. Real quick, like I don't. Here's a Kershaw thing. I'm gonna go back to this really quick. His his career his ERA in 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 the NLCS in in is five point two. Like I don't understand how you can how you can blame that on the seventh innings. Like you have to pitch, you have to pitch longer than six innings. Sometimes I agree with Jeff. I, I'm tired of Kershaw's pulses and yeah, but you're you're kind of negative. 
though, over there, Roberto. <laughs> I look. It's the I, truth, Danny. Like, like, it chokes like, in the playoffs. Like, it's a like, joke. Like, but the Dodgers, like, the Dodgers' weakness, the Dodgers' weakness has always been their setup guys in the bullpen. Right, but, he, but Kershaw's a Hall of Fame talent. He should be able yeah, to throw you, you more than six innings in the playoffs. You can't have an ERA of two in the regular season and have an ERA of four in the postseason. I'm not look. I'm not saying that he's a world beater in the postseason. I'm just saying that everybody piles on him. But it's because they it's expect a him to have. They expect I, him to to have a two ERA in the postseason too. I when get it that. But he should have been pulled out of some of those games before he imploded. And when I, you don't have a bullpen to go to, that's why Mattingly stayed with him throughout those no, innings. I understand, but it, to my point again, though, like if you are that good of a pitcher, you should be able to, to face the third the third time through the order. I don't so know. Look, do you and, think and it's, know it's got to be something mental, right? Well, I think what happens is, and I've talked to some Dodger friends of mine that, that are more in the know about Kershaw, is I think it's tough for him with his back because his back is not very good. It has you know issues. It's just I think it gets tired in the in the later part of the game. His herky jerky delivery. And, yeah, he has. and his and his ball comes. If you watch and, and maybe tonight we can see if he makes it that long the seventh or eighth inning is his pitches become a lot flatter, especially his his slider and his curveball and ends up that ends up being a problem more than anything else. I think is it's just his back gets tired. His pitches just quite aren't the same it's not I don't think it's a mental thing I think it's a physical thing he just gets tired um but he just gets a pass like I, yeah. I you know the, I don't think look, he gets a pass because uh, David Price has been worse than him yeah, well, in postseason we, I, play yeah, and David people Price don't terrible. yeah but people Price don't pile bad. people seem to ignore that and, oh, and jump don't. all well they, more more so than Clayton I just know that I saw a, a guy who writes who writes uh, a blog for the the San Francisco Giants write a post defending Clayton Kershaw after Game Two, and I was like, um, "Are you sure you want to go that direction?" Game Two is kind of rough. He had a catcher's interference, which is very odd, right? You don't catcher's interference rarely happens um, and whatnot. But I'm excited to watch tonight because it's going to be on late, and I might not watch terribly much of it. But um, I want to see Kershaw. Wait, no, no, no. Game, the Dodgers hopefully. game starts at oh, 2 p.m. Oh, they're early. on the West Coast. Yeah. Oh, they're early. It's, early. Game. it's so yeah. weird. I was saying that to Clay wait, in the what, first hour. It's so why weird are they, that you got a championship why, series why starting the early, that early. Why are they the early game today? Because the, the Red Sox and the Astros are prime time? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they gave the Astros a prime time game today. Because Bergman was crying. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Bergman's like a heel now, isn't he? He's he's turned heel. Yeah, every yes. day, every day when I come in, Roberto is mumbling under his breath and and telling me how much he hates Bregman. Bregman's like his new enemy number one. He is a member. He's a member of the tribe, though. I can't hate him too much. <laughs> yeah. That, I, <laughs> what tribe are you talking about? Yeah, he's Jewish. Okay. Oh. All right. Gotcha. I wasn't Why, sure what? if that's where you were going. I thought you might have been you meant Oregon or something like that. I no, just remember to the clarify. tribe. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Yeah, he gets totally a pass. got you. All right, let's take this phone call since he's been waiting, and then we'll get to our break. We'll come back and we will play Clay and me talking about Tyreek Hill from the first hour. Then we'll bring in Jeff and have uh, his thoughts on him. Let's go to James in Georgia because he wants to talk about Le'Veon Bell. I'm not sure we're going to get back to it after this. James. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Glad to be on Good. the show. Um, my comment about the Le'Veon Bell situation is just that this guy for, for what, two or three years has been stressing to the Pittsburgh Steelers that, hey, I want to be a part of y'all team for the long term. And they continue to jerk him around with his one-year contract. And y'all, and people expect him on the final year of his deal, knowing that the NFL, how they do running backs for their last year, that they try to run him down to the ground, 
therefore decreasing his value. Expect them to just be blind and, and stupidly loyal and come in and, and, and carry a ball over a thousand times and be all beat up. And the next team is like, yo, we would love to sign you for some big money, but unfortunately, our analytics tell us that, hey, you carried this ball almost a thousand times last season. You're not worth the cost. And the whole narrative about him not telling his teammates, I'm quite sure they've known for the last two or three years that, hey, Le'Veon Bell, hey, he wants a big deal. He wants to be a part of our organization. But the organization is not willing to commit to him that way. And the guys, I mean, there's, what, 50-something guys on the roster. I'm not sure all of them probably knew, but most of the ones that he was cool with and the ones who had enough common sense knew his situation, and they wasn't pissed off. The ones who come out and spoke about him, you know, not letting them know, well, you should have known already. It's been almost three years this has been going on with him. It's, it's, I mean, nobody's, like, clueless about what this guy was looking for and what he was expecting the Pittsburgh Steelers, excuse me, Steelers to do for him. And appreciate the phone call and whoever's in the background. Yeah, turn your radio down. Whatever that was. I don't, I don't know even, if that was the I, radio or what that was. Yeah, was he listening to our network? I didn't it, sound like our show. Right. If so, then we're on a 17-minute delay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That was. it was definitely strange. I mean, what he was saying, I guess there's – I understand some of what he's saying, but not all of it again – because what he was saying about the uh, the teammates understanding his position and knowing what was going on, if Le'Veon Bell doesn't tell them, I'm going to be here, you know that I'm going to be here before week one, don't worry about it, I got you, then, then they would have probably understood where he was coming from. The problem was he came out and basically reassured them he was going to be there, and then he didn't show up. And then he didn't talk to them about it after the fact. That's where the issue comes in. I've said what I want to say on this, man. I mean, people are going to say what they're going to keep refuting what I said. I mean, he basically said the exact opposite of everything I've said. um, And they can believe what they want to believe. I I, I can't say it enough. Um, The the players have supported Le'Veon Bell. They want him to get paid. The Steelers don't have don't don't have to pay Le'Veon Bell. They don't have to do it. We saw, we see with James Conner, he's they're getting the same production. They'll probably draft a running back in two years, get the same production again. You don't have to pay Le'Veon Bell. They're not screwing him. Their franchise tag is screwing him, but that's not really on the Steelers. That's on our CBA. It's on our union yes. for allowing that to happen. Correct. Um, and of course they're going to give him care. By the way, I love that the guy said a thousand carries. <laughs> he touches the ball like four, maybe four hundred times a year. A thousand is a bit much. Um, but uh, yeah, look, he's, he does. He saves the wear and tear on his body. I understand the purpose of him holding out um, for him personally, and I understand that side of it. And I got why the Steelers' offensive line is upset. He's not there. Like I can, both things can be true. It can be true that yes. Le'Veon Bell is doing what's right for him, and it also pisses off his teammates. Those can both be true. Yeah, it's a business decision, but uh, it also sucks for us, meaning if you're on the Steelers' offensive line, this isn't what we were hoping for. So we're a little perturbed about it. So, yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying. When we come back on uh, the other side of this break, Clay was with me in the first hour. He's over in London. He's going to see the Titans-Chargers game on Sunday there. We talked about Tyreek Hill saying that, well, Drew Rosenhout is his agent, saying that he wants to prosecute the fan that tossed an alcoholic beverage on him late in the Sunday night football game and the loss against New England Patriots in Foxborough. We will play that segment for you coming up. Then we'll bring in Jeff and get his take 
on what's been going on as well. But before we can get to any of that, a reminder, the fall football tour brought to you by Granger. Count on Granger to draw up a winning play. Visit Granger.com for industrial supplies and safety products to help your business cross the goal line. Granger, for those who get it done. More Outkick next here on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, Danny, how good a record was the Predator back in the day? So good that I had it on cassette and CD as a kid. Seriously, like, I don't know that it gets fully lost, but that was a tremendous album by Ice Cube. It really was. It was like vintage L.A. because the album prior to Predator, he was kind of on an East Coast vibe, and Predator was him getting back to his West Coast roots. It was strong. I kind of want to listen to it. I appreciate Roberto bringing us back with Check Yourself there. We are live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And the fall football tour, Clay's Overseas, Titans Chargers in London on Sunday. He's part of this fall football tour, and it's brought to you by Granger. Count on Granger to draw up a winning play. Visit Granger.com for industrial supplies and safety products to help your business cross the goal line. Granger for those who get it done. Clay joined me in the first hour of the show, and we talked about a number of different things. It's a reason to go subscribe to the Outkick the Coverage podcast if you have not done so already. Join the millions that have. Go to iTunes, go to Google Play, go to Spotify, go wherever it is that you get your podcasts and subscribe to Outkick the Coverage. But we talked. one of the things we talked about was Tyreek Hill and Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, going on ESPN and telling Adam Schefter, we want to prosecute this fan that tossed a beer on Tyreek Hill after his touchdown with about three minutes left in the Sunday night football game between the Chiefs and the Patriots. And if you missed it, here is that conversation from hour one. I think that Tyreek Hill is absolutely insane for deciding that he wants the guy who threw a beer on him to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And I think it's insane for this reason. Tyreek Hill is not without sin himself. This is crazy to me. I don't know who's advising him. But here's what happened to Tyreek Hill. In uh, the end of 2014, Tyreek Hill was arrested for assaulting his pregnant girlfriend, The police report states that his girlfriend said that the two got into an argument. He threw her around like a rag doll, punched her in the face, set on her, repeatedly punched her in the stomach where she was pregnant, and choked her. Oklahoma State dismissed him from the football team. He eventually pled guilty to domestic assault and battery by strangulation and was sentenced to three years of probation an anger management course, a year-long batterers program, and was required to undergo a domestic abuse evaluation. Uh, His girlfriend eventually gave birth to a boy, uh, and in September, they got engaged. All right, so I don't know what's going on in his personal life now. But if you got off with probation for beating and strangling your girlfriend, Would you really want to argue that the guy who threw a beer on you deserves the punishment to the full extent of the law? All right, let me back up for one one second, because when I was looking into this story, I saw something very odd about it, and that was that after the game, Tyreek Hill was asked about it, 
And he said, hey, I talked to Andy Reid after the play. Here's the quote, according to Boston.com. My coach told me, don't get emotional, don't get mad about it because it comes with the territory. And then he said, I'm not mad at all. And then the (laughs) next day on ESPN, Drew Rosenhaus tells Adam Schefter, that type of behavior is unacceptable. Players have to be protected. This is a safety issue. Quote, we want that fan to be prosecuted, unquote. So there's a disconnect here. Something happened between Sunday and Monday to where Drew Rosenhaus came out and said basically the opposite because Tyreek Hill said kind of what I would have said if I were Tyreek Hill, which is, yeah, I'm not really mad. Like, okay, it comes with the territory. We're in a hostile environment. This was Tyreek Hill catching a pass, getting to the end zone, getting within an extra point of a tie score with three minutes left in the fourth quarter in a gigantic football game in front of a national audience. And he took some middle fingers, he took the double birds, and he takes a flying beverage to the face as he goes out of the back of the end zone. He says, I'm not mad at all Sunday night. And then on Monday, Drew Rosenhaus tells ESPN, we want that fan to be prosecuted. And if you read into the story, he's pursuing legal options with the union and all of these things. Now, ultimately, Tyreek Hill can tell his agent to shut up. So he may still be talking on Tyreek Hill's behalf, but I'm trying to figure out Maybe I'm overreacting here, but I'm trying to figure out what happened between Sunday and Monday that changed Tyreek Hill's mood and attitude about this. Usually your agent says things that you can't say yourself. So it could be that Tyreek Hill is trying to avoid provoking Andy Reid's ire. But to me, this is where the agent has to tell the player, look, dude, this is a bad look for you. And look, I'm not saying that there's anything that the guy who threw the beer did not behave in, a, uh, in, in an inappropriate fashion. And I am fine with, I think the, the Patriots sent a letter saying that his behavior was inappropriate and they were looking into it and that he was disinvited from future games or something like that. It's All of that is fine. Yeah, I think they said disinvited, which is which is even funnier. Like, if, if I'm not mistaken, somebody can pull up that letter and you guys can talk I about got it, it now. Yeah, I've two. got it. Yeah, letter of disinvite to all future events <laughs> at Gillette Stadium. A letter of disinvite. I love that concept. Like, you can just tell somebody, hey, you know what? We disinvite you from everything for the future. Um, so uh, I, it's the exact opposite of like an invitation. I I, I don't know a disinvitation. Uh, but I, I love it. Sounds very British. Since I'm in London, that sounds like something they would do uh, in Britain is disinvite you from things. But to me, if you are Tyreek Hill and you have a scintilla of self-awareness, or even better, if you have anybody that surrounds you that has a scintilla of self-awareness, you cannot insist that the guy who threw a beer at you be punished to the fullest extent of the law while you got three years of probation for beating and strangling your pregnant girlfriend. Like, I'm not saying the guy who threw the beer is in the right. I'm not saying that he didn't do anything wrong. I'm saying that maybe if you're Tyreek Hill, you don't want to be the guy who's saying, you know what, if somebody misbehaves, they need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law, when if what you did was on video, you would never have been allowed to play in the NFL. That was Clay and me talking from the first hour about the Tyreek Hill situation. I want to get Jeff's thoughts on it, but let's go ahead and bring in Ralph Irvin now and go ahead and get the sports update from Sherman Oaks, find out what happened last night 
get some of the scores and some of the things that happened in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about this a little bit more. Ralph, take it away. All right, well, thank you very much. And it's all tied up in the National League thanks to our Geico play of the day. Ground ball, base hit into right field. Machado's on his way home. Throw to the plate and the Dodgers will win it. They win it 2-1. to one. And the series is all even. The call from AM570 LA Sports and the Dodgers Radio Network as LA and Milwaukee are now tied at two games apiece. Game five gets underway in just eight and a half hours. For the record, the Dodgers used every non-starter on their postseason roster Tuesday night. Earlier in the American League Championship Series, Boston was an 8-2 winner in Houston. The Red Sox now lead the Astros 2-1 in that series. It was the official opening night for the NBA Tuesday, and for that we go to our Geico scoreboard. First, Boston got 23 points from Jason Tatum in a 105-87 win over Philadelphia. Then in Oakland, the Warriors received their 2018 championship rings and they earned a 108-100 win over Oklahoma City. Most of the NBA teams kick off their season later today. There are 11 games on the schedule. Now back to you guys in the Geico Outkick Studios. Thank you, Ralph. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We're coming to you live from those Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to the website. It's geico.com or call them. 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way of those is easier. Clay's in London this week. Sunday's Titans-Chargers game is the reason. And the fall football tour, he's part of it. Brought to you by Granger. Count on Granger to draw up a winning play. Visit Granger.com for industrial supplies and safety products to help your business cross the goal line. Granger, for those who get it done. So we played that audio, Jeff, from the first hour as we discussed Tyreek Hill and Drew Rose now saying that he wants this fan that tossed a beer at Tyreek Hill Sunday night on national television, I guess because we all saw it in the fourth quarter of the Chiefs-Patriots game, to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. What's your take on this situation? Oh, man. Um, So (laughs) we can discuss the situation uh, as a isolated situation and not really discuss what Tyreek Hill did in the past. We know what he did in the past. It's not acceptable. Um, I think that Clay's right, though. If there was video of it, he probably wouldn't be playing in the NFL, which, um, you know, I mean, I think we need to take that more seriously. And we've talked about this, me and you, Jason, at length about the way the NFL handles uh, some of these situations and the way they handle domestic violence. I don't think they handle it in a way that, that, that is uh, fully appropriate. They have a rule put in yeah. place. I know this happened before he was in, in the NFL. But we can separate that horrific incident, which we know is 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 that way, and this incident, right? They're, they're two separate things. Like we don't, we, we can say that it was it's stupid, in my opinion. Uh, stupid might be the wrong word, but it's not smart of him to try to press charges because it's just not. Like there's no reason to press charges. Guys get beer. Look, I've been in games where dudes have gotten beer poured on them. Should it be allowed? Of course not. Should the fans be banned? Yes, they should. But should you press charges on that? Like, what's the assault by deadly liquid? Like, what? Like, what's the charge going to be? Um, disorderly, like, disorderly conduct? Like, what's the charge? What are you charging him for? What crime did he commit to where you're charging this guy? So the 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 Red Sox, the Red Sox, the Patriots, 
have uninvited him, um, which is a weird thing to say. They just said they banned him from the stadium, which I, I guess if they have facial recognition software, they can do that. Otherwise, I don't know how you, you ban a guy from the stadium. But no, he should not press charges. He should, like he said, he's not upset about it. I, I saw Jamal Charles get showered with beer five times in Oakland one game, and he scored five touchdowns. Um, they, poured, they threw beer at him every single time. Should not. He should not press charges. Um and the fans should never come back again. We can say that, and we can also leave the other stuff out of it, because that has nothing That has nothing to do with the situation whatsoever. Yeah, see, that was one thing that, that I really didn't have. We didn't have that much time to talk about it there in the first hour, is that these two things can, can be true. It can be true that what Tyree Kill did was heinous, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that he can't have something done to him that would enable him to press charges later. My issue is that you don't press charges over something this innocuous and this stupid. Like, like, what is what are they what are they going to charge him for? Like, seriously, what 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 is the safety issues? Is what I am seeing. Like Rosenhaus's argument was unacceptable behavior, player safety. They must be protected. This must become an example. Players are in danger because of things right, like this. What, but my question again is, what crime did he commit? Um, I think that if he pours beer on Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is allowed to. I don't know. Uh, that's I probably can't advocate for. Players yeah, you hitting, probably hitting can't. Fans. You're right. Um, <laughs> but that would stop a lot of this stuff. It also would lead to, yeah. to mayhem. By the way, if this is the way it was. Um, Look, no, he should let it go. The, the NFL is dealing with it. The Patriots are dealing with it. And move on. You, you heard Clay say it. Tyreek, or you, know, you said, I should say, Tyreek Hill's not upset about this, and he should. He really shouldn't be. Um, it's unacceptable fan behavior. The fans should never be allowed to ever come back to a game again. And Tyreek Hill should move on. No, they shouldn't press charges. There's no example to be made. We, look, this thing about, about behavior, and we know this, the 1% ruins it for the 99%. And the 90% of fans are great at games. There's the 1% that cuss at you, that throw beer at you, that chuck stuff at you. Those are the ones that always get the attention. This is not behavior that's typical of fans. And by pressing charges here, you're not really setting an example because most fans don't do this anyways. And, and the guys that are, that, that are going to do this, quite honestly, they're not going to care that someone got arrested about it because they're drunk already and they're going to throw beer on someone. And, and the best part about this for a couple things was, one – is they stopped selling beer at the end of the third quarter. That was three minutes left in the fourth quarter. So why does he still have a full beer? And why would you waste a double 15, fist in it, Jeff? Why would you waste a fifteen dollar beer to throw on a player? Like that's just it seems a waste of money. Yeah, I mean the whole deal is just eventually somebody's gonna be a numbskull. Eventually it's gonna happen. It's heckling taken to another level, and in that situation, this fan's just totally angry. Because maybe the Patriots are about to lose this football game all of a sudden. Maybe he doesn't like Tyreek Hill, but I think it's more just this is football fan being football fan. Yeah, he's it's not doing it because he, he's not doing it because of Tyreek Hill's past. Come on. No, yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I'm just saying maybe he doesn't like oh. Tyreek Hill because Tyreek oh, Hill was torching the, the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because the Patriots typically are not very. Um, they don't give a lot of praise to opponents, and they praise the Chiefs a lot after that game. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, like ran over to give to talk to Pat Mahomes afterwards after the game. Yeah, he did. Uh, the the Patriots defenders were talking about how they've never faced a player like Tyreek Hill before. They've never seen a guy that fast, that quick. Um, 
And so uh, the there should be some respect there, at least on the field. Now, look, the fans, man, I, I'm just so indifferent to this because fans, there's drunk drunk behavior is going to happen. Should he throw a beer on them? Absolutely not. Should he never be, you know, should he be banned from a game? Absolutely. But that should be where this ends. I, what are you setting a precedent for, Drew? There's no, it doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, I'm not sure again, what Rosenhaus is trying to. I don't know exactly like what, what like, they're what attempting he, to accomplish here. I, I think he's trying to scare fans. Maybe he's trying to make this a thing about like he protects his players and he thinks he'll get more business because of this. I, okay, well that that's something I hadn't thought about it from that angle, but maybe maybe that makes sense in his world. It doesn't make sense in mine. I don't think it makes sense in ours. We got one more segment. It will make sense. NBA season starts on October the sixteenth, two thousand eighteen. That was yesterday. What happened? We'll talk about it next. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Green Day on a Wednesday. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Borrow up to 40 grand to pay off your high interest debt or credit cards. You can do it with Lending Club. Go to lendingclub.com slash iHeart today and check your rate in minutes that's lendingclub.com slash iheart all loans made by web bank member fdic equal housing lender and you've heard us talking about it all week the fall football tour is brought to you by granger huddle up with granger america's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products visit granger.com for whatever you need whenever you need it granger for the ones who get it done Jeff Schwartz is in Charlotte. I'm here in Nashville. Jason Martin, Clay Travis is in London. He will join me again tomorrow in the first hour of the program, as he did today, as he did yesterday. If you missed any of that conversation from the first hour of the show, download the podcast, as you should be doing every day. Subscribe. Get it sent to you every morning. NBA started yesterday. LeBron plays his first game tomorrow. There's a sneaky, interesting matchup tonight between two teams that you probably shouldn't care about but there's a reason to make you care about it 10 30 late tip tonight Mavs at Suns what that means is number one pick DeAndre Ayton against Luka Doncic who if uh, I think it was Clay said he thought Ayton was going to be the star coming out of the draft and I picked Doncic and Danny who was it that you picked I remember we went around the horn and discussed it and I know you didn't go with either one of our two guys yeah that's that's a good question. I'm gonna have to go back to the archives and and look that up. I know I saved that clip. Well, glad that you, glad that you were so staunch in your opinion that you actually remember who Man, that player was. Doesn't that seem like five years ago at this point? NBA draft. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a long time ago. Jeez. We've had a lot of uh, you know a lot of hot takes in between then and now. Yeah, I've, there, there I, definitely I, have been. I, I barely uh, so, remember those two were rookies. Yeah, well, they're playing their first games tonight, <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be entertaining. So. Boston gets a win last night over Philadelphia. Markel Fultz is who I'm paying attention to there. We know Simmons and Embiid are good. We know some of those role players and what they're going to do. But this team's going to rise and fall on whether or not Markel Fultz, the overall number one pick, you know, after he was traded from the Celtics or that pick was traded to the Sixers, if that dude can actually give them something. If they can't get offense from the point guard position, they're not going to be able to compete with Boston and they're not going to be able to compete with Toronto. Last night, Markel Fultz went two for seven, five points in 24 game minutes. Maybe it's going to be a gradual thing, but that is going to be the thing to watch if you're watching the Sixers. The other game was the Warriors against a Russell Westbrook-less 
Oklahoma City Thunder. And, okay, that that's uh, one thing. I heard Charles Barkley say something pretty interesting. Get your thoughts on this, Jeff. He said yesterday afternoon that the only team that can beat Golden State is Boston. Oh, the only team mean, that can beat Boston is Toronto, but that Boston has more overall talent than the Golden State Warriors. Um, real quickly, I just saw this pop on my Twitter feed. The fan, the fan who threw the beer on Tyreek Hill got charged with disorderly conduct and throwing an object at a sporting event. A summons. I'm not even sure he got charged with anything, but um, that's so that. Um, the only team that can beat Boston, you said, or Golden State? The only team that can beat Golden State is Boston. The only team that can beat Boston uh, in the East is Toronto, and that Boston has more overall talent top to bottom than the Warriors. Uh, that might be fair, especially young talent. But we know this. Danny knows this. Roberto knows this. The Lakers are winning it all this year. Come on. Yeah, no, they're not. Yes. They're not even going to be a top. Yeah. They're not even going to be a Come top on. five seed this. in the West. LeBron is taking this back. To, no, he's take really not. your money to Vegas right now. Put he, some money down not. on the Lakers. He, he's come on. We're not winning. So what? Be the eight seed. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but oh, but, by the way, really quick, Michigan State in the house. I took Jaron Jackson Jr. as my pick. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't look, Jason. I, I'll be honest, man. I, I didn't know the NBA had started last night until like two minutes before the first game. Um, I, I do agree that Boston has a lot, a lot of young talent, and they're back healthy this year. Which I think, I think Charles is right. Though top to bottom, Boston probably has more talent than the Warriors. Because remember, the Warriors bench is suspect. They spent all the money on, on obviously their, their, their superstars. But look, I just, I, I don't. I love to see the Celtics and the Warriors because the Celtics play really great defense. I think it'd be a fun challenge to see them have to play the Warriors in a seven-game series, and I think they can with that with that defense contend with them. But I can't pick against the Warriors until I see differently. No, me either. I think this will be KD's last season in Golden State as well. Yeah, I'd be and a I Laker think he wants year. to win another ring. No, no, Jeff. <laughs> Please they're calm all future, down. They're all future Lakers. Everyone's a future Laker, man. It's all about the Dodgers tomorrow on the today. Show, we'll have Clay in the first hour. We'll have baseball talk yes. with John Morosi tomorrow Dodgers, as well. Dodgers, Just a ton of Dodgers, stuff. Dodgers, Stop, Dodgers. Danny. Please calm down. I've had enough. I've had enough of all of you today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Outkick the Coverage. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.